0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. State of
1: the Empire is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. And is brought to you in part by Consequence of Sound, the web's foremost source of music and film news, reviews, and insights. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by... A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com.
2: Welcome to State of the Empire, Nerdy Show's Star Wars speculation podcast we look for news in Alderon places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. Oh my God. Did you see the Rogue One trailer? Wait, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to be talking about the Rogue One trailer in this episode and all the other Star Wars news that's accrued in the month that we've been away. Uh, during that time, I've traveled to San Diego Comic-Con, um, also visited Matt in person in Los Angeles because most of us are based out of Orlando, Florida, and Matt's our, our lone L.A. correspondent, at least at the moment. Um trapped in the forever alone zone
3: <laughs> the bone zone actually oh <laughs> la's the bone zone <laughs>
2: um on account of the tar pits <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and um and we had some adventures there so if you're not familiar with the show and the format we speculate deep in all the news and rumors about star wars and uh, for those of you spoiler sensitive we uh, we lock all the real hardcore stuff behind the blast doors. That's at the end of the episode. We'll have a very clearly denoted space in which uh, those sensitive conversations happen. So if you want to uh, get the news on uh, on Star Wars and all the the different things going on and leaking out from uh, from the development of all the various pieces of the franchise, movies, television, comic books, etc., that's what the show is all about. Um, but I'm really excited to talk about this trailer. So let's stop talking about anything but this trailer. Um, we got the first real trailer for Rogue One. Yeah, Yay. it was it was
1: everything I wanted to see, like some character moments. Get to see all the people. Get a little tease at the end, a little little Dark Lord kind of thing. A little I, half, half know, breath.
3: To, I, I just want to throw out the only thing I didn't like was that tease. I didn't think it was worth what they threw in there. Wasn't worth showing. It was so silly. It wasn't very intimidating.
2: It was just the tip. You want the whole thing?
3: I, no, I, I don't want the whole thing. I just want something more cinematically pleasing than that particular shot.
2: Yeah, it was a we- It's a weird shot. Like, if you haven't seen it, you should definitely check out the trailer. Um, because it, all the promotional material for Rogue One so far has been very uh, exciting, very well shot, and this first real trailer, something more than the teasers that we've been getting, was it was absolutely. Marvelous, except that the one, bloop, Darth Vader's in it shot was, like, so I think awkward and underwhelming.
1: I think it, they had to make it, obviously, Darth Vader. Like, even the dumb layman who doesn't really know that this is, you know, that this is a Star... Wait, this is a Star Wars movie? Like, they have to put a Star Wars story, otherwise you wouldn't know kind of thing, you know? Um, I think that particular shot was for them because uh, the Comic-Con leaked teaser had a more... What what would you say ambiguous, or
2: Wait, less less ambiguous? Do you mean the Star Wars celebration? Sorry, teaser? yeah,
1: celebration. Sorry, sorry, that's what I meant. The Star Wars celebration teaser had uh, a shot of Vader at the end, but it was like a reflection of Vader, like in a in a table or in the floor. But it was a better shot. Yeah, it's a, but and, and that people lost their minds because that was all you really needed. But this was a little more on the nose because they had to you know make sure all the.
3: But it's it's you know. just not the on the on the on the noseness that bothers me. It's it's the flow with the rest of the trailer. It didn't it didn't feel like your typical like post title the film stinger. Like mm-hmm. it was really really added on poorly. Like just from a a like it doesn't fit.
2: It was kind of like the equivalent of Tyler Durden splicing in a single frame of porn. <laughs>
3: Actually they probably should have just put them in the like one frame in the middle of the trailer. That probably would have worked better.
1: It would have gone viral. People are like, "Oh my god. The one thing you didn't see
2: in this trailer like, all these stupid clickbait articles after it." Oh, uh-huh. I should also mention this is um it's a great time for us to have something of real substance like this trailer to discuss and not just all the the the, the weird misty news and rumors that we usually mm. dig through. Uh, this is our 25th episode. Oh wow. Oh. Might be 25th, anniversary, everyone. guys. Yeah. <laughs> We've been we've been doing this show since days, moments after the announcement. The the announcement yeah. that uh Lucasfilm bought or Disney bought Lucasfilm. We've already passed the anniversary like twice now, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> but uh you know, now we're we're coming out at least once a month, if not twice a month mm-hmm. when we can uh, we can manage and when the news when the news ensures that they they give us enough meat that we can make a hamburger out of that meat. Bantha burger. <laughs> yeah. That is that's better. Thank you for thank you for improving that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so out of the shots here that we saw in this trailer, gosh, there's a lot to take in. We're finally seeing new locales, we're finally seeing more than just that the beach scenes. Um there's all the sh- the shots with with starships in it. were just incredible. Yeah. In in atmosphere, in space. Even the shot of the Star Destroyer which we've seen several different versions of um like in the orbit of of the under construction Death Star, it it has it's so vivid, mm-hmm. and it's so clean. You think, that's a brand new Star Destroyer. Mm-hmm. It looks just as craggy as ever, but there's just something something really threatening about about how real it looks. Um, Coming out of the shadow of the dish and everything. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Um, X-Wings in some kind of canyon run in the mist. Some ship escaping a huge sandstorm or a dust storm of some kind. Yeah, and, that
3: looked thrilling as hell, didn't it?
2: Holy shit, it did. And, um, like... <laughs> When was the last... I I We see stuff like that in Rebels. But we don't ever see stuff yeah. like that in a Star Wars movie, you know? Yeah, I'm just really looking forward
1: to all the stuff they're going to throw at us. Like, I'm waiting to see some of the curveballs and stuff. And, and, I mean, also the hints that maybe we're seeing something that either it's a planet with multiple biomes or we're looking at multiple
2: planets now. So far, at least multiple planets. Yeah. Um, because I believe the planet that we're seeing the most of uh, in the trailer is actually this new planet they announced in an Entertainment Weekly article called Jedha. Um, and here's its entire entry from the Star Wars databank. A small desert moon frosted by a permanent winter, Jeddah is home to one of the first civilizations to explore the nature of the Force. At one time, a world important to the Jedi Order, Jeddah serves as a holy site for pilgrims from across the galaxy who seek spiritual guidance. Now the empire occupies Jeddah and a prolonged battle between imperial forces and scattered rebels carries on in this time in the time-worn streets. Um and so that all the the desert places we're seeing it's fascinating it's actually it's a it's a cold desert. Hmm. That's that's something we don't see often any any time really. Yeah. Interesting. Um and we're seeing both um uh, a prominent town city really um and then also a kind of some kind of facility uh, imperial facility on a mesa which is interesting there's like a tower um,
3: yeah that that was that was gorgeous like that is that is an awesome alien ex- like sort of extension of something that you could see on earth but on a much smaller scale like yeah, that yeah. was some real gorgeous looking we gonna environment
1: are we gonna place bets on uh, the likelihood of all these planets surviving <laughs> Because <laughs> I mean, if we're oh, talking mean- about the completion of a Death Star in the movie, are we going to see a test, like a pre alderon test?
2: But Alderon was the test, was it not?
1: No. Well, I mean,
3: like, uh, he, well, he he did he did describe it as a demonstration.
1: Yeah, he said it was a demonstration, not really a test.
3: I don't um, know. I I just at, personally, as a, if I was a storyteller, I I don't want to undo the impact. This is what I keep saying about the Han Solo film. I should be able to watch A New Hope and still be shocked when the character of Han Solo shows up at the Battle of Yavin to save Luke in that situation. Yeah. I still feel like I should get some... There should be some agency to Alderaan being destroyed. Like, you know, that that's sort of like the Empire unleashing the Death Star for the first time. And I hope Rogue One sort of maintains that.
2: Like it needs to be the first time you see something on that scale. Yeah.
1: Well,
3: that... I
1: I can see that point, but I also think that you, in theory, could make that moment even more impactful if you can see a planet, say Jeddah, for example. You run around on it for a while. You see all the innocent people here, you know, congregating and doing their thing. And then once our heroes leave, the Empire is like, "Hey, uh, we hear that there's some rebels down there. Oh, you know what? This would be a great opportunity to test this thing. It's just a small moon, so it's not really the size of a full planet, but..." fuck it and then they blow it up and then you just see more devastation like you like it's not just the the shot from new hope which is kaboom boom and then it's done i, I mean it's just a ball hanging in space I mean, and then it's gone you know there's more of an emotional attachment and then you could be like oh shit that's what that weapon's like up close
2: you know and then when you see it happen all around you like
1: you know what what it's like
2: well here's the thing if if that's if that is something that would happen in this film it's not going to be Jeddah. And there's a very good reason for that, but that's something, maybe maybe one of the few things in this episode that we're actually going to put behind the Blast doors. Oh, really? Yeah. So here's what Gareth Edwards says, the director of the film, Um, and this hints to what I'm talking about. We are trying to find a physical location we could go to that would speak to the themes of losing your faith and the choice between letting the Empire win or evil win and good prevailing. It's an occupied territory for reasons we probably can't reveal. Hmm. Uh, He also says... um, and uh this is this sort of on the on the subject of how we have this town here where people clearly acknowledge the existence of Jedi, mm-hmm. even though luke and and Han and many others are like that that old shit that happened thirty years ago what what that's that's like a million years ago what are you <laughs> what are you even talking about um and I think this is what they're playing with to try to you know there there's some things about Star Wars that just chronologically don't work and uh I think how th- dare you cap? <laughs> You know, like Obi-Wan being a million years old. Oh, yeah, it was the desert sun. It was, hey, it was two suns. It, it was the twin sons of Tatooine baking him uh, the on whole all the time. The sand blast in his face. He didn't have any SPF. What was he going to do? Um, mm-hmm. Live in the desert that long, see how good you will look. <laughs> hmm? <laughs> um, uh, but Gareth Edwards says, said this on on the myth of the Jedi um, and how it pertains to this town. In a wider level, there must be loads of people who just believe in the Jedi and believe in the Force and have been affected by it. If it's a really ancient religion, as Obi-Wan Kenobi said, it's got to exist in, a thou- in thousands or millions of people in the galaxy. So, essentially, they want, I think in this film, they're going to start instilling how it's possible that the belief in the Jedi could be a thing of myth even while the Jedi existed. So that the we saw the front lines, we saw Coruscant and the Jedi Temple and everything, and uh, but for the rest of the galaxy there's something that is believed but seldom actually seen and that that will somehow be reflected in this location. Hmm. But on the note of uh
1: aging, I mean, Skywalker supposed to be like what, 16, 17? Luke? Yeah. And A New Hope, he looks like he's like 25, 30, growing <laughs> up in that <laughs> desert sun. I'm just saying.
2: I'm just saying. It's it's, it's as long as it's consistent among everybody, then sure. Well, you know, good thing uh, Marvel publishes Star Wars books now. Doug, you might actually get a no prize. All right. <laughs> um, in Entertainment Weekly, they they speculated that they or they they offered up that the the planet's streets are filled with priests, scholars, and holy men and women, I- including uh, Chiret Imwe, played by Donnie Yen, the um, the the blind mage type guy, uh, warrior monk, uh, who is accompanied by his protector and guide. Bay's uh malbuzz who's Jiang Wen, doesn't look like he needed much projection. And, and you know in the trailer yeah mm-hmm. he was he was dropping fools, yeah
3: with a stick <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of interesting when you think like to to really get i mean for a long time star wars you know the, the jedi for audiences has kind of been like the 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 focal point of everything we know about the force you know jedi and sith, but now when you start looking at other aspects of this like they almost become like knights templar like you know what i mean like now all of a sudden this is this has a chance of being like very like world altering something that i wasn't expecting to see in a star wars story
1: i i I hope man i know i think i mentioned before but it'd be great if they're just like that fighting style are you a jedi goes no not a jedi please no i couldn't possibly this is a form an ancient form called uh (laughs) 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 Teraskazi. i'm like yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> only had to be the I think Matt and I were the only people who'd give a shit like or would even yeah. or would even cheer it on. Most people go boo.
3: <laughs> especially, especially for a movie that is giving me so many of the old video game vibes. I mean, yeah. that trailer was just screaming like five or six different video games at me. Like it was great.
2: Was it was it screaming any video games that we haven't been referencing? We've been talking very heavily about Dark Forces, especially. Was did you see something something in it that you hadn't seen? Yeah, something before? new, maybe.
3: Um, it, it well the tie striker. We may have mentioned this before. Ty, the 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 tie striker that they've been showing off in like the merchandising and the, they've got a data bank entry. Definitely some like Rebel Assault Hidden Empire vibes yeah. going on there. Um, it's like the Phantom
1: with the top cut off or whatever.
3: Yeah, and. Uh, you know, and, and what, it's part of the Dark Forces series, but, like, that that planet with the Mesa sort of formation thing was definitely giving me some, like, Valley of the Jedi vibes from the second Dark Forces game, Jedi Knight. Um, it's a lot of the, you know, it's just something about the film's feel, the what everybody's wearing is definitely giving that very heavy, those, the games in, like, the late, mid to late 90s that were so focused on that Rebellion Empire conflict that, like, I don't know, it's definitely drawing on the same I'm sure Gareth Edwards must have played those games. Oh, probably.
2: I mean, he's a pretty he's he's 40 years old. He's a diehard Star Wars fan. Um Yeah, you tell and, me this guy didn't play Dark Forces when these, he came out? These games yeah. are irrefutably an adaptation of yeah. Dark Forces, so or yeah, the, 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 think, movie, the film. Yeah.
3: I think it's time that they start, you know, they don't have to directly embrace that, but it seems to be a general like I don't know, that it's, that seems to be a counterintuitive idea that they shouldn't be drawing on. But those those games are, like, 20 or more years old now. Like, it's... Or, or close to 20, anyway. And, like, that is when it gets into, like, prime, like, adaptation and, like, drawing on things that influenced you as a child. And, like, I, yeah, I want to see some great Rogue One fan art that, like, puts these guys in, like, the old Rebel Salt like, cover poses, you know, of the video games. And, like, that... I mean, just, like, keep that sort of... 90s Kenner era going like that. This what's so awesome about this movie.
2: Yeah, it does have. I mean, I when when I saw this trailer, I I felt like I'd seen a Star Wars trailer, a new Star Wars trailer for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like um, more than Force Awakens, more than the prequels, it screamed, "This is a Star Wars movie." And it wasn't even just the iconography of a Star Destroyer or a TIE Fighter, it was the, just the, the look of it. and The it, scrappiness. And, yeah, yeah. And, and then also combined with the fact that it, was an, it wasn't just that I'd, it was a Star Wars trailer, it was a trailer for a new Star Wars movie. It embraced so much of what I, what I visually understand as Star Wars while showing me things that I've never seen before, not in Force Awakens, not in the prequels, absolutely new material, that, and only on, in cinema. Not in other mediums. Yeah. So that that's mm-hmm. what's unique about it. Seeing it in this beautiful live action style, you know. And, and I mean, the first time you saw the Phantom Menace trailer,
1: you were like, "Oh, look, there's some Jedi." And is that young young Obi Wan? And those other weird aliens look kind of weird. I mean, the you Phantom know? Menace like, teaser's great. Yeah, it's but, just, it, but it it didn't really. It felt like a different Star Wars. This feels like the Phantom oh, Menace teaser is the best part about that film. Yeah, but this <laughs> this I mean, like I see what you mean. Where right? like this this is unmistakably Star Wars because you got classic stormtroopers. You got like the the Rebel Alliance you see in like in, in familiar settings like the Yavin base and stuff. So so much of it seems familiar, but you're seeing it with this new fresh perspective.
3: Th- this this feels like some like someone decided to make a movie out of their RPG tabletop Star Wars adventure. Yeah, and that's that's awesome because it's like it's right there in that era. We're not you know we're not exploring its past. We're 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 just you know it's pure Star Wars at this point, the original film.
2: Yeah. And man, it looks great. It looks so great. <laughs> um, so this entire week that the trailer has been coming out, uh, EW has been posting kind of puff pieces on, um, yeah. on various characters, but there's been some good material in there. I, I don't think they honestly had much to work with and I, I feel for them. Um, but there were some good character spotlights and, uh, and the, one of the first ones they did was, uh, was Bodhi Rook, which is Riz Ahmed's character. Um, and he is actually a native of, uh, Jeddah. Um, he uh, he was conscripted by the empire to be a pilot and defects and joins the rebellion. And one of the things they were harping on was that he actually still wears the imperial insignia on it. And they were saying that it's kind of like as a reminder. I feel like we don't necessarily know because they they want to keep so much hidden about who right. these characters are. We don't. I don't even with them telling us why. I don't feel like we really know why. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a great quote pertaining to, um, just the the idea that this here's a. Here's a pilot. Here's a great pilot in the Star Wars universe. He's a good pilot, but he's not like Han Solo. He doesn't have a Millennium Falcon. He'll fly whatever is given to him. Mm -hmm. And there was a quote that says, uh, The feel of this film is quite rough and ready. uh, And so is the mission, and so are the characters. And so this is coming together. This is the coming together of the characters. So the idea of people having special ships that they spit shine and say, Hey, this is my ship called the XYZ. That's not of this world. This world is more about grab what you can and let's roll, and I think that's that's great. It just goes to show that like we're seeing, we're we're seeing something we always knew was there, but because of the sensational nature of the mainline Star Wars films, we don't get to see that.
1: And that echoes a lot of what we heard when we went to Celebration in L.A.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, Alan Tudyk had a brief spotlight. Um. About his his character K two S O the the droid who had some you know I I was it was good that there was um they had a they had a, a line in the trailer where he he quotes some some odds mm-hmm. and but it, it wasn't followed with any kind of nostalgia trip of don't tell me the odds or anything it was just yeah. it was just kind of there it it's,
1: also wasn't him just being like oh sir my goodness please it was just it was just like oh hey uh yeah that's the odds <laughs> it's pretty matter of fact like seems like a nice balance between you know H K forty seven and uh. I wouldn't want to say 3PO, but...
2: Well, they, they, they said in this that he's the antithesis of 3PO. Right, which to
1: uh, me is actually HK-47. They, but...
3: they,
2: they described him as uh, Chewbacca in a droid's body. <laughs>
3: <laughs> which Alan Tudyk took exception to. Did he? Yeah, towards the end of the article, he actually heard that's what Gareth Edwards referred to him as, and he thought that that was a crazy comparison. Or actually, that's not in the article, that's part of a video i believe Ah, oh okay. um, I, I will have to find that we can link it it's is it, like is very it... funny his reaction to like not agreeing with Garrett, gareth gareth words uh, like summation of k2 is <laughs> is
2: that the same video where he talks about meeting anthony daniels uh that was that was his discussion on the celebration stage in europe i don't know if that was the same thing or not but that's definitely where he talked about meeting anthony daniels and <laughs> anthony daniels uh giving him some serious shit for uh yeah yeah well not serious shit but just giving him a little playful shit. Yeah, yeah. for uh for not being <laughs> locked inside of a suit. Though admittedly um Tujik did film on stilts the whole time. Oh that's cool. Um one of the coolest things I think we did get was information on the alien rebel characters. Hmm. We we heard so much about these stinking humans with their flesh faces yeah, yeah. and not enough about the little guy who's screaming with the big gun on the dropship <laughs> on the U Wing. Um so we, we know who those characters are now. The little guy is called uh, Um He's a new species called an Ikaru. And uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, even though he's a total badass, clearly, uh, Edward says that we're not going to see um, much of him, or really specifically that we're not going to get to know him. Uh, but he's one of uh, Gareth Edward's favorites, and he made a point of saying, I can't give away what happens to him oh boy I mean it's a war movie I assume that means he dies but but maybe why be so coy maybe he's a traitor (laughs) (laughs) maybe he maybe he like disappears and then comes back at the end of the film saves the day day. that's what the reshoots were he's the new
1: teak
3: (laughs) (laughs)
2: um the other character is we see this big leathery guy with um with a with a big mouth and he's called Pow, and he's a platoon leader that coordinates the charge into the battle. Uh, Edward says there was this great design with the creature whose mouth would open really wide and he looked like he'd be good at giving orders and shouting at people. So they basically designed that moment in the film just so he could do that. Huh. Um, and and they they actually had a, an interesting process coming up with these with these characters. They told the creature designers to just go crazy, create a bunch of different creatures. Um, they had what they said was thousands of ideas, and then they sort of cast the film. Um, he said there were walls and walls of these different types of characters that we could have picked from. We just went, went through them like, God, he's fascinating. Who's that? And she looks amazing. And what's that there? Slowly we got down to our top 100 and then got even more refined. Hmm.
3: Sounds like uh, Lucas was pretty similar during the prequels. He would go around the creature shop and just kind of, pick different like miniatures that they had made and decide what he liked and i don't know if it was as, as involved as deciding what their stories were and and what kind of stories they could tell but you know he definitely would tour the creature shop like that
2: yeah it did, it did that statement did actually remind me of what he used to do but else then i thought of uh of how the creature shop had to trick lucas back in the day because like when he was um trying to pick out who was going to be the alien who runs the diner uh, there was one they really wanted, and they had to figure out how to stage the maquettes so that Lucas, Lucas's eyes would be drawn to the one the creature shop wanted him to use because they didn't <laughs> like his taste in aliens. And then he, like, they had to eventually consent to put a hat from another alien on the one that they actually liked because otherwise he wasn't going to do it. God. <laughs> is, that yeah. De- is that Dexter Jetster? Is yeah, that- it's yeah. like, really? You
1: guys yeah. fought that hard for Dex? Like, I mean, <laughs> come on.
3: Best cook in the, in the galaxy, man. <laughs> actually, his alien type has been used a lot in the new canon.
1: Like on Rebels and stuff like, or just?
3: No, actually, in the uh, mostly in the novels, actually. He uh, appeared heavily in the uh, New Dawn and then also one of the main soldiers in the Battlefront book, which is fantastic, by the way. But it's just very interesting that, that he's even on the cover, actually, at the Battlefront book.
2: Yeah, looks looks pretty pretty damn badass. I mean, he's a badass looking creature, except for mm-hmm. him being in a fifties diner
3: on Coruscant. scratching his butt. Yeah, was hoping it actually was Dexter that he took up fighting for the rebellion. <laughs> you read, didn't you? The,
1: didn't we read some fan long. fiction you wrote about him? Did we read we, the fan fiction? Did? I think we did. We yeah, did.
2: <laughs> you got to finish that one, man.
3: Yeah, I I do, I do.
2: Um, we did we did get one other cool alien. This one, fantastic looking alien. Uh, this, this one did not come from an Entertainment Weekly article, but the floor of San Diego Comic-Con, where I got to see it in person, the mercenary pilot Idro Tubes, and uh, he's this dude with this v- evaporator kind of thing on him, um, his, the, uh, the little nameplate thing gave a full description, it says, he flies alongside his eggmate, uh, Benthic, the two share the, the nickname derived from the breathing apparatus that allows their uh, Tognath physiology to process oxygen atmospheres. Idrio's homeworld, uh Yartonga, was conquered by the and occupied by the Empire, forcing him to flee as a refugee, desiring to strike back at the Empire. Idrio and uh Benthic have allied with Sa Guerrera.
1: Hmm.
2: Pretty cool. Eggmate, that's interesting. How many uh, how many Star Wars characters can you name that hatched out of an egg? Yoda. <laughs> you don't know shit about Yoda, <laughs> I, you don't know shit I, about Yoda. I, I don't...
3: I would assume Trandoshans are, but that that might be a very unfair assumption. How dare you!
2: <laughs> <laughs> was, that was a that was
1: a, a Tridarian. Tridarian? What did we say? Oh, Trandoshan. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. a Bosk. They all look alike. How dare
1: you!
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Bosk doesn't speak words, does he? It's more like a bunch of
3: yeah. Uh, in in the very first piece of. Uh, Youth-oriented uh, new canon literature, Ezra's Gamble, which came out, I believe, right before Rebels debuted, he spoke very good basic. Oh. And actually, I think he spoke basic, actually, in Clone Wars.
1: He didn't speak that well in Robot Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> which is, of
2: course, 100%.
1: Key. <laughs> George was cameoed on it. How could he get more, <laughs> more authentic than that?
2: Yeah, that's true. Um, there's this thing, and I don't actually remember if we talked about it behind the spoiler or behind the blast doors. Or not, but it's not, it's definitely not a spoiler anymore. The word is out. Bale Organa is officially in Rogue One. Jimmy Smith's cameoed in the film. He uh, he was doing an interview with The Talk and said that he's there for a small role. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Very cool that they got, you know, the original Bail Organa uh, back with the original Mon Mothma and they're just. Well, not the original I mean, Mon they, no, Mothma. Sorry, the original, the original the Mon young Mon Mothma. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just very, very, very cool. Jimmy Smith's a great actor, and uh, anytime we get to see him do anything, it's great. It's gonna be sad because he's gonna die. Yeah the the more we the more we learn about him, the better. It's um, I believe um, Bales voiced by Phil Lamar on um, on Rebels when we see him in there. Hmm. Um, hopefully, we get more of the character in general on Rebels so we can really feel feel for him deeply when yeah. Alderaan shatters into bits. Yeah, yeah. Now um, the our big Rogue One topic in previous episodes has been that all the rumors about the reshoots and the fact that they might be reconfiguring the ending of the movie. Um, those rumors have not desisted at all. In fact, we've got a little bit more information on them. Though, we should preface this by saying that, as we've said before, though it doesn't... There's certainly some strife there. There's certainly some actual conflict, and it's not all sunshine and... um. Some cute Star Wars reference that I'm
1: too slow-witted to come up with right now. It's also China and Ewoks.
2: <laughs> sure. D- yeah, there double, we go. Double sunshine? <laughs> um, there's there's some truth to it, but, but it might not be awful. Um, the Hollywood Reporter said several insiders say Tony Gilroy, an uncredited writer on Disney's upcoming spin-off Rogue One, has been empowered to take the lead on post-production for the December 16th release, even as director Gareth Edwards remains involved in the project. We talked about this before. Uh, Gilroy is um, the, the writer for many of the Bourne films, and has done some directing himself. And he also did a similar process in sort of the post-production um, staging of Godzilla, Gareth Edwards' other film. So he's actually, if these sources are to be believed, he's actually supervising the edit with input from Edwards. Um, they said, but they one one source said it was very, it's very much a collaboration. He's a strong force, but in the end, they're working together and all in one editing room.
1: See, I don't. I don't consider that a bad sign. I consider that a sign of like, okay, they are making some changes, and it's not that oh we don't trust Gareth's vision, but more of like, dude, there's not enough people to go around. We got to get this movie out on time. Like they decided to add a lot more footage into pre-existing scenes, and not change the release date. So having two people that you can rely on to make creative decisions working around the clock is better than just relying on one guy.
2: Yeah. What's weird is that Disney hasn't, hasn't officially discussed it at all. He's still uncredited yeah. though. Everyone seemingly knows he's working on it.
1: I'm, I'm not going to worry until they say Garrett Edwards is like not somehow involved or like he's, there's well, a creative differences happen. or something like that.
3: Well, at this point, Disney has been so ever since they not like started making these movies, like, they market their directors so heavily, like you can't announce that they've like lost faith or removed him and all this stuff. Cause he's, he's part of their marketing. I mean, they pushed this. Got whole rid of Josh would've... Trank. Well, yeah. Before they got into it though, they hadn't even like, you know, they hadn't even announced what his project was, but by this point we know all about his, his fandom when he was young and, and Abrams was a big face for Phantom Menace. And what about, you know, uh, do the same uh thing with Rian Johnson and, and definitely with Lord and Miller. Yeah,
1: but like, what about Edgar Wright on Ant Man?
2: That was a long discussed project, but they didn't have Edgar Wright actively um, in a promotional cycle. I mean, it yeah. is late in the game, sure, but I mean, I honestly like the, the weird thing about this is I think this is an opportunity for them to discuss the the collaborative process that these two friends probably because mm-hmm. they work together have, and and they haven't, and that's the odd part about it because they've sort of I I believe I feel that they've handled. Um, their the response to all the the fan freakouts about these uh, reported changes very poorly.
1: I mean, it could just be as simple as, "Hey Gareth, we know that you're kind of under the gun, and uh, do you want to bring in anybody to help you? Who do you trust?" He goes, "I know just the guy." Yeah, like that could that's all it could, it could all be. It could that be. Simple, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, it is it's difficult to 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 shine a, a very clear spotlight through all this murky um i'm just thinking bullshit. what's what's the simplest answer yeah. you
1: know like if you're in charge of this big movie and the whole world's waiting on it and there's a lot of pressure and you've maybe experienced a similar thing like this once before with godzilla and who helped you then who can help you now i mean like good for them you know as long as as long as they can make the movie that they want to make i'm down to see it
3: yeah and, and a lot of this is also just you know the I know people are probably tired of hearing it, but it's it's just social media too. Because this this would have gone, you know, 10, 15 years ago, this would have all happened and no one would have said a thing. I mean, there's still rumors that Spielberg was an uncredited contributor to episode three, you know, but there's not like the sort of like social media coverage that there is. And mm-hmm. so it's just focused on too much, I guess.
2: Yeah, it's definitely overly scrutinized by... Um... A lot of sources that should know better, quite frankly.
3: Well, not just over scrutinized, but even like over replied to. Because, yeah, I think I agree, Cap, that that they've maybe handled it poorly, but I don't think in that it was no response. Like, I think the Bresnikin article, you know, the kind of damage control ish was fine. It's, It's that they're not good at keeping their people that are on social media away from making comments themselves to the contrary like Christopher McQuarrie going off and Pablo Hidalgo being kind of snarky about what's going on, but yet not just coming clean about it. Like it would have been better to just have the Bresnikan article come out as opposed to all these people chiming in with their two cents. True. Very true.
2: Um, now with Rogue One, um, I guess more as it develops, we're, we're not too far away from September 30th, the, uh, the days that a lot of the Rogue One product hits the shelves, but we're not getting the uh, the Marvel books as, as we reported in prior episodes because those were just outright canceled, most likely due to changes to the film. And uh, then Rogue One Catalyst by James Luceno is delayed, but um, he's a great writer, so it's bound to be a great book, and you can pick that up via our links on this episode's page. Now, the other thing that's been getting a lot of information lately, um, which is kind of exciting, is the Han Solo solo film. Now, it's not a movie I want, but as as we've said in the past, it's a movie that has very much got my attention because I loved uh, Alden Ehrenrich in Hail Caesar so much that every day goes by and I get a little bit more excited for it.
3: Yeah, I, I'm actually really looking forward to this movie now. After watching the Lord and Miller, like filmography.
2: So you've seen all and, their work now. Yes. All I've seen and is Lego all, movie.
3: It's all excellent. Like it really is all excellent. And, and every photo that they've, you know, taken of, uh, they, they, they posted an Instagram photo of them studying the millennium Falcon, like technical guide. <laughs> you know, like it's just, I don't know. It's something once again, it's part of the whole marketing campaign of marketing that as the, all the directors as personalities. But like, they have my favorite and so far their movies catalog is my favorite of all the directors and everything I hear about Aaron Reich is fantastic. And it just, this has like really, really good vibes all of a sudden.
1: Um, I, I, I haven't seen all of their movies except for Lego movie. And I haven't seen hail Caesar. So I still, I'm not sitting here like arms folded, like impress me movie, but I'm just sort of like, I just can't, I'm just not excited. Like, uh-huh. I, I I'm giving the movie all the benefit of the doubt, and I only have the best wishes for it, but I'm in that same camp of just like, well, you know, I kind of don't really wanna know Han Solo before I see him in a new hope, uh, otherwise, like what are you gonna tell me about him? You know what I mean like like what 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 well, are you gonna give me that's gonna inform anything about that or make that better and
3: I think it, a lot I think a lot of the focus has been on the fact that it's a Han Solo movie, which obviously makes sense, and, and people are worried about the way his character will be treated, understandably. But the way I see it now is the prequels gave me, like whether it was the movies themselves or just the era, like my fill of Jedi-ness, which is one aspect that I love of Star Wars. And now it looks like Rogue One is going to give me the, the military movie of Star Wars that I've always kind of wanted. And there's the scum and villainy aspect, the, the Jabas and the Bounty Hunters and Moss Eisley and all that, that that real scum aspect of Star Wars that I've never seen on film. And I think the Han Solo movie, it could be that. So I just really want that sort of, like, that's what I think it could be. I'm not focusing as much on the, on the Han Solo character as much anymore, even though I still think, obviously that's going to be like, of what makes the movie good. Mm -hmm. But I'm really looking forward to seeing, like, the new gangsters and the new ships and the new...
1: I guess as long as it's not, like, an origin story or a biopic, you know, if it's more of just, like, hey, this is just you know, 48 hours in the life of Han, of young Han Solo. Like, I, I you think know.
3: we'll get that. It looks like we've, we've gotten that with the Han Solo comic and, and actually the Han Solo junior novel that I just finished smugglers run was, was excellent in that, just in purely in that regard, just him on, on a, on a Han Solo and Chewie escapade. And I think the story group gets it. This is what makes Han great. Pulp action. Hmm.
2: Fingers crossed. That's a great way to put it, Matt. Um, because ultimately, you know, the story group decided to tell that Han Solo story, you know, that they well, should... Because there's money there. <laughs> it's like, Well, right, right. <laughs> but but that, they, that they have an understanding of, of what works for Han Solo and who to choose to mm-hmm. tell those stories. True. Because, I mean, think about it. Like, they're in a position where they, they have all of Star Wars at their fingertips. They say, all right, what stories do we want to tell? How do I tell those stories? And th- yes, they're in the business of making money and making good business decisions, but they know, and the entire uh, uh, foundation of Lucasfilm is seemingly built on the idea that ultimately what is going to make the most money for the longest period of time, a.k.a. forever, mm-hmm. is good storytelling, which is why they gravitated away from the prequels immediately.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So if they get Han Solo, they get Han Solo. And... We'll see what happens, and I don't, I don't love it because I do want, I do want, I don't want the 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 original trilogy to be in any way diminished. Um, when in when you look at it on a macro scale, mm-hmm. but uh, but it could be fun. And what you were saying about um percentages, Matt, you said it's eighty percent. Well, hey, the other twenty percent, if not more, could be a, a certain Mr. Lando Calrissian, as uh, reports are coming in. Um, I didn't even hope. That we would see Lando in this movie. Oh, I had hope. I was talking up and down. You go back. Listen, I was like Don Glover.
1: He's my guy. I want that guy. Be young Lando. Like, and now it's like coming to fruition. I'm just like, oh, shit. I got to start making more predictions. I got to start <laughs> making it happen, putting it out in the ether.
2: <laughs> uh, to clarify, there's, there's been um, some serious rumors that they are, in fact, casting for Lando. If you hear the name Chance that's apparently what that what's uh, the code name being going around for for casting them um, and and birth movies death said of this recently um, that uh, specifically editor-in-chief uh, Devin uh, Farassi he said I've been trying to get confirmation on this exact story for the last week it was debut this was broken by the rap so they weren't able to, to get the scoop but now with the rap acting as a de facto second source let me tell you the other piece of the puzzle that I'm hearing Donald Glover is the first choice for young Lando he pointed out that Lord Miller saw a legion of young actors for Han Solo even though Aaron Rick was their first choice hmm. um, so if Donald Glover is their first choice um, that could be a good thing that is provided that the Donald Glover even wants it right because he might not. Um, we uh, we put forth this news in Star Wars Spoilers, our Facebook group that we run for those who are uh, not faint of heart to go beyond the blast doors. And uh, Keto Black suggested Leonard Roberts, the guy who played Lando in Matt Haley's short film Black Star Warrior. Uh, Sage Zero suggested Donald Faison, a.k.a. Turk from Scrubs, though he did admit he's older than Billy D was back then, so that might not be... The best move. Um, and then, uh, well, a lot of people, Colin Peterson, Nerdy Show host included, were uh, championing the uh, the Donald Glover movement that I guess we can, we can credit Doug to starting Thank you. months ago. I
1: think I was the first person on planet <laughs> Earth to suggest <laughs> Donald Glover be young Lando.
2: Um, and uh, to that end, Consequence of Sound Editor, uh, Editor-in-Chief, I should add, Mike Rothman, says his vote is for Danny Glover. Danny Glover. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um My first he's too for Billy that shit. D. <laughs> Billy D? Yeah, like, just bring Billy D in. I, I, I would accept like like I, Harrison Ford looks too old to play young Han Solo, but I don't care what Billy D looks like. Just throw him in there. Or just, just
1: or do the do the like I said before, they're doing it with Tarkin, they did it with Michael Douglas with the age regression. They did it with uh Robert Downey in uh, mm-hmm. in Civil War. Just put Billy D in there. And de deageify him, and and just make it happen.
2: I would, I would love that. I would one hundred percent fully support that. I mean, we've already got Billy D playing Lando and Rebels. We we already have young Lando established in the Star Wars canon. Let's keep it up. Yeah. Don't don't knock I, a good thing we have going here.
3: There's been a million people trying to do their Harrison Ford, you know, impression. You know, like I, you know, there, there's there's plenty of people who could accomplish that, a young Han Solo, but there's just no one who's ever come across as Billy D. Like he really is a character to himself, and I don't know how they're ever going to cast a young one that will will satisfy me. But hey, we'll see.
2: We will see, and we might see um we might see it a lot, and and here's why. We for a while now we've been hearing rumors about. Han Solo being part of a trilogy of Han Solo films. And those rumors are starting to heat up because it's a lot more than fans murmuring. The New York Daily News uh, allegedly have a source who talked about the plans. They said, There's a real sense of excitement around the Han Solo movie and its potential. Given that Han's early adventures do not need to be tied to the Empire, it leaves storylines open for the opportunity to really give fans something different. They can explore new galaxies and crazy creatures and bring in a wide array of new characters. They feel that his character has the right potential to become a central figure in several movies. They're keeping things under wraps at the moment, but the deal is he has signed on for at least three movies. (sighs) I worry about that. I mean, like, look what they did. Like we we already
1: mentioned before, they're, they're Captain Jack Sparrow in it, you know, like Jack Sparrow was the Han Solo of that first Pirates movie. And then they made him the focus and it just was never as good. Like, you you get Han Solo...
3: That's that's a a strong argument.
1: Han Solo was never meant to be a main character, you know? Like, he was always meant to be the thief with the heart of gold who was buddy-buddy with the hero. The main hero of the story was always Luke Skywalker. You know what I mean? Like, you're taking this side character and you're betting it all on that, you know? Like...
3: It could also just be the the kind of story they're telling. I, I just don't feel like the future Jack Sparrow stories didn't seem to be that much different than Black Pearl. And, I, you know, I do not they're not going to be telling a, a New Hope story.
1: Well, with, with here's Han. the thing. Like, to say you're going to make a Boba Fett movie, you're like, well, Doug, Boba Fett served even less of a purpose than Han Solo, so what the hell's you <laughs> know? And I would say, yeah, he served such little purpose, there's nothing there. You, you have everything in the world to expand upon. Han Solo as a character written in a story served a purpose. He fulfilled that purpose and now it's it's over. Like, you know, like what to, to to go make a whole movie about Han Solo is to take uh, you know, fucking uh I'm trying to think of another example besides Jack Sparrow, but like any any side character from like a, I'm trying to think of like a Marvel movie like look let's, let's look at Guardians of the Galaxy okay now you got your main guy Peter Quill he's basically Han Solo but like who is the Han Solo of that movie who is the side character Rocket Raccoon yeah now could you make I mean an entire feature film just about Rocket Raccoon before he meets any of the other Guardians of the Galaxy well it would need to be a complete tonal shift yeah like and and you, know, own you, thing.
3: you shift genres I think we're yeah
1: and, like and maybe like you, it could work we make
3: a Lando film if it's like Oceans Eleven in space like.
1: And Land That's yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I guess. I'm just
3: saying we, we have we've had so far good Han individual stories in in book and comic form so far. Like I think
1: I, just, I'm I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's really difficult. And I believe that they're going to be trying as hard as they can. But, man, it's going to be like Rogue One. Like I was almost like, dude, how can you go wrong with that idea? You know, like it's it's so open and you can make your own characters and make your story your own. But as soon as you're making a whole spinoff story about another character like Han Solo, it's kind of like, all right, well, we have to have it feel a certain way because if it doesn't feel like Han Solo. But, oh, we got to cast a new guy to play Han Solo. Who's going to fill these massive shoes of Harrison Ford? And, you know, no one's talking about who's going to play young Chewbacca. Because Chewbacca's going to look the same goddamn thing. It's like it's going to be it's going to be so <laughs> well, they, weird. They already have
2: a young Chewbacca. They already cast him. He was in Episode Seven to take the place of Peter Mayhew. We already you we know already, what I'm talking we about. We already had this challenging I know. casting decision.
3: <laughs> and, and 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 Doug, like, go watch the two Jump Street films. And as we mentioned, tonal shifts. If they couldn't have picked better directors that are completely self aware of what genre conventions are and how both to poke fun at them and and like to circumvent them and to to utilize them effectively for comedic purposes like they're they're aware of of approaching something with a new eye but at the same time something that's well established yeah. like it's And I don't I don't mean to sound
1: like I don't mean to sound like oh it's an, like it'll never happen I'm just saying it's got to be tough man I would not envy those guys I do not envy their job because I don't know what I would do like, I I don't, like, me sitting here, I mean, I guess that's why they didn't hire me, because I'm looking at this character, and I'm going, dude, I don't know where you can take this without, without it coming off kind of, you know, half-cocked, like, it's just not, I, I don't know what the full potential is, and, and, and if it was just one movie, sure, but you're talking about a trilogy of movies, it's like, dude, you're counting, counting your chickens before they hatch here, man, you know, like, I mean, I, again, I got nothing but good hopes, you know, high hopes for it, but,
2: man... Hmm. i
1: don't know i just need I go, i'm gonna have to just check out those other movies and
2: sort of get a, a wider well you know. I, I need to too so i guess we'll do a movie night yeah <laughs> um speaking of han solo you mentioned the han solo comic uh by marjorie lou and mark brooks which is fantastic and if you're not reading it you should totally pick it up it'll be collected eventually but get the issues don't wait um here, here here's an indication of how good it is uh brooks wrote in a post to facebook Got an email last night from Lucasfilm saying that George Lucas would like to purchase every original page from Han Solo 1 and 2. Surreal is an understatement. So uh, that's that's fascinating. George Lucas digs the Han Solo comics so much, he bought all the art. He also...
1: Wore a Han shot first T-shirt on the set of Kingdom of the Crystal <laughs> Skull.
2: He's a, Uncle George is real wacky. <laughs> uh, my my hope is that he actually bought it for his uh, museum dedicated to storytelling that's opening in Chicago. Oh, that'd be cool. That's just a theory. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he wants to to line an entire hallway with with Han Solo pages or mm. bathroom. You know? <laughs> he can do whatever he wants. No,
1: I, mean, yeah, I just need some new toilet paper. You no, know.
2: <laughs> I hate Han Solo and so. I hate Han Solo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's just to <laughs> so hear George say I hate on solo is like <laughs>
2: <laughs> No Episode eight. Not much to report there, except that filming wrapped on July twenty second after five months of shooting. And we won't get to see it until December fifteenth, twenty seventeen. My heart is breaking. All
3: right. Let me just say, though, like, how great is it that we're not waiting three years between movies? And (laughs) I don't mean just the episodes. Just, like, how great is it that we had a movie, like, eight months ago, and now we're going to have another one in four months? (laughs) It's pretty crazy.
0: Mm.
3: Man, truly, truly wonderful time to be alive.
2: Now, here's the weird thing. We do have news for episode seven. (laughs) Coming October 31st in the UK and other parts of Europe, and November 15th in North America... Boy, I sure hope you didn't buy Force Awakens the first time because we got a four-disc special edition of the Force Awakens coming out featuring the 3D version of the film if you have a TV for that. But most importantly, a ton of new bonus features. This is If you care about bonus features, this is the edition you wanted all the time. Uh, This is why I'm glad that I didn't end up buying it. Now, Mm
1: -hmm. when you get this version and there's four Blu-rays and they still don't have room for Constable Zuvio... Well,
2: oh, you then realize oh, that it was all BS. Hold on a second, Doug. Here's here's the features. Audio commentary with J.J. Abrams. This, this is the description. Reveals the creative and complex choices made while developing the first film in the new Star Wars trilogy. It's
1: a two-hour apology about not including Constable <laughs> Zuvio.
2: <laughs> Foley, A sonic tale. Not the hedgehog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Sounds of Resistance, which is about sound design. Dressing the Galaxy, a, a featurette featuring costume designer Michael Kaplan. The Scavenger and the Stormtrooper, a conversation with Daisy Ridley and John Boyega uh, inside the armory about creating the weaponry for the film, and deleted scenes, never-before-seen scenes that didn't make the film's final cut. This is new deleted scenes in addition to the other deleted scenes. This comes with all the features from the previous edition, including this stuff, and uh, including Zuvio Gets His Man, a deleted Jakku storyline revealed here for the first time, completed and compiled into a standalone short film. Oh!
3: Wait, what?
1: It's, so it's going to be... They took all those deleted scenes and made a short film out of it? This is my dream. No, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Is this your dream or is this reality? Did you make that up or is that actually we'll on the thing? We'll never
2: know. We'll have to wait until it, the, the, the thing comes out November 15th.
1: No, uh, hold on. You actually confused me. When, when you said <laughs> the deleted scenes, Did you, you made just, that up. I'm looking
2: for news in all drawn places. You and made that up.
1: Just to be clear to anyone listening, Cap made that up Some, about Constable Zuvio short film.
2: Sometimes I, I have... I have visionary moments, and in this case, I know that Zuvio Gets His Man will be a short film, including the deleted no. scenes.
1: No, you didn't. You didn't touch a lightsaber and get a weird force vision. You didn't see this. How do you know that? Because I read an article about it, too, and it said nothing about Zuvio's name was not mentioned. No no article, no no website, no Entertainment Weekly, no nothing is going to say the hey, words, saying, Zuvio deleted scene, because no <laughs> one cares.
2: He was, he's the most talked about character uh, on this show. On, <laughs> on, like, on and the- nowhere else. <laughs> <laughs> when you go into Target, that's the first word on everybody's lips. Yeah, because it was the first toy out.
1: Like <laughs> I told you I told you before, the joke's gonna be you're gonna get to sit down with JJ Abrams one day, and be like, JJ, tell us about Constable Zuvio and why he was cut He's gonna say who? He's gonna have no idea what you're talking about. He's like, Oh, the weird thing with the
2: face. Yeah. I didn't like him. It was stupid. I'm telling you, man, this is it. This is uh, on, on November fifteenth you got to get your copy of The Force Awakens, the Zuvio edition. Yeah, <laughs> Zuvio Hort- edition, The yeah. Zuvio edition. And you're gonna, you know, you
1: know, you know what the running theme is on most deleted scenes. You look at them and you go, yeah, I see why they cut that. You know, I don't, I, I very rarely do you see a deleted scene and go, damn,
2: why didn't they keep that in there? Well, yeah, but they, they just realized that they had to remove his entire storyline because it was It'll make it, a better short film. Yeah, on, we, on exa- the Blu-ray exactly an extended
1: it a 20 minute
2: short film about Zuvio getting his man am i wrong <laughs> yes you're wrong that's <laughs> what i'm telling you um digital bits posted a rumor of this edition coming out and in that same breath also heard rumors about 3d versions uh about a r- formal release of the 3d versions of the prequel trilogy being considered for later this year and actually is a five disc blu-ray set with the three prequel films force awakens and disc of bonus content um I'm guessing that's not happening because it was being considered, not that it was actually go- going down, but it might still be happening if there's a, a renewed push for 3D um, blu Home entertainment or whatever, yeah. yeah. Hmm. And, and as it stands, the only one of these 3D remasterings that have been complete, completely done for years that had a theatrical release was Phantom Menace. Um, the other two films have been only shown at Star Wars Celebrations. So, they're pretty coveted. They're pretty rare. Supposedly,
3: A New Hope was was behind closed doors uh, shown off. Really? Yes. That was actually before Phantom Menace 3D came out.
1: Yeah, I remember they were talking about certain scenes were shown off, but I don't know, was it the whole movie?
3: I, I was under the impression it was the whole movie, but I could be mistaken.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I do, i mean, I'm talking way back. I remember them saying specific scenes, like the scene where, oh, yeah, yeah. you I, know, I recall like, that, especially the yeah, opening. Exactly. Like, and then and, um, and when Luke's trying the lightsaber the first time with Obi-Wan, like definitely a handful of those scenes I remember them talking about. But I don't I don't remember them saying that they actually went and did the whole movie because I know the plan was they were going to do all the prequels in 3D and then do the originals.
3: They really just went about that in the wrong order. Yeah. Actually, though, to be completely honest, I saw *Phantom Menace* 3D in theaters, and I thought the 3D work was not good. Uh, oh. So, to be quite honest, um, I I don't care if they <laughs> release those and, in 3D.
2: And I, I've actually I've heard that that's the consensus, but that the others were much improved. Uh,
3: *Attack of the Clones* and *Revenge of the Sith*. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but Which I I could see it. It's. 3D is a weird thing when it's not actually filmed in 3D because it, it, it depends a lot on the way it, it was filmed in 2D to see if there's art, if there's enough to get that pop out.
2: As far as I'm concerned, unless it was shot specifically for that or was a, a digital, like a, a CGI film, it's a novelty. Now, granted, those films are practically CGI films, so maybe that's why they play better. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, now, episode nine, we don't have any news for it. but We did do a little bit of research previously the only way we've been able to judge the work of director colin trevorrow was jurassic world which we felt was unfair because it was a big blockbuster it was his first big blockbuster his second major film um and maybe you know the work wasn't indicative of what he could actually do Mm -hmm. so we thought the best way to judge his skill was to watch the indie film which everyone has been praising from kathleen kennedy to steven spielberg safety not guaranteed now matt i've been doing a lot of talking so I, maybe we both, we both watch it together. I'll chime in, but maybe, uh, how, what, what, were you, what was your reaction to Safety Not Guaranteed?
3: Um, I liked some of the performances, um, particularly um, Jake Johnson, uh, who was playing a different character than I'm, I'm used to him playing in the movie, who was his, the, kind of the, the leader of the B plot in that movie. I don't want to spoil anything for those who haven't seen it. But I'm just going to say overall, as far as Colin Trevorrow is concerned, nothing about this movie screamed the director that, like... Like, there's some interesting things as far as, like, what the story was trying to do, but that that was more in the writing than the directing. Nothing about this movie in particular, like... I don't know, Cap, I mean, maybe you can kind of help me capture what I'm trying to convey, but, like...
2: It was very bland. It yeah. was a very bland, very indie movie. Um, the plot is, it's about a an ad in a newspaper that's for a guy looking for a partner to time travel with. And a bunch of journalists go out to, uh, try to get the story on him. And a woman ends up, um, acting as like pretending to be interested in that and gets involved with him romantically.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And it turns out she's a little bit weird. He's a little bit weird. So they bond over that aspect. Like it's, it's very indie. I mean, this could have been like, and what's funny
2: is this is, it's not
3: Nora do time travel. (laughs)
2: <laughs> they really could be. <laughs> and like... and this story is not even unique. It was already done with, with other Colin Trevorrow film alumni, Vincent D'Onofrio, in Happy Accidents, which if you're looking for a romantic dramedy about um, about a, a person who may or may not be a time traveler, then you should see Happy Accidents. It's amazing. It's a fantastic film. And Safety Not Guaranteed is the humdrum, boring version of it.
3: And I mean, universally, this movie was like, I mean, like critically just like praise beyond belief. Like 90-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's just like the, the difference I go from watching a Lord and Miller film and seeing what a, a director can accomplish that is just completely different. Like there was nothing about any of the – I don't know. It at was at like the it risk was of sounding
1: completely mean-spirited. Go Did on. this work suggest to you a filmmaker who would do what he's told?
2: <laughs> that is the only thing I can glean from this, Doug.
0: But like I mean, like, 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 that-
2: like 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 a safe choice, you know. Like if you're doing
1: the end of a new trilogy, bringing Star Wars back, and you know, and you got JJ, that's basically a guaranteed, you know, uh, the quality of, of what we got from Force Awakens. And then you can take a little risky thing with the darker thing. Let's get the guy who did Looper. That was kind of a dark, uh, but, you know, mass appeal kind of movie. Now, who can we wrap it up with the warm fuzzies, and they won't take too many risks, and they'll do what we say. How about this guy? You yeah. know, like, and, that's, and, again, that's, that's a very cynical point of view, and I'm kind of just playing devil's but, advocate.
3: But also, Doug, from, what, from what's been sort of said about Return of the Jedi's production— The director of Jedi was in that sort of same situation. That's why I bring it up. Yeah, because like, you know, Irvin Kirstner had a lot more, you know, leeway to do his thing on Empire. And then.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods,
3: Lucas sort of like essentially ghost directed while simultaneously producing the film. Mm-hmm. Now, Devil's Advocate on this situation was I, I went to a panel on Jurassic World, and at that panel, they discussed that he was hired based on based, uh, like Kathleen Kennedy suggesting to like Frank Marshall, like, oh, you've got to see this movie, and then it was presented to Spielberg, and Spielberg was like, yeah, get me that guy. I don't think they watched that movie and said, you know what? This guy looks like he's malleable. Like, I, you know, like, maybe that story is just like, well, this guy's got a good something in the repertoire that, like, people liked or critics liked, and then we can say that was why we hired him, when in reality there was an interview and there was these things. And, of course, Trevor was on the stage while they were telling the story. So you know and and spielberg has that history that supposedly that's how vince vaughn was casted in lost world was he saw him in swingers and was just like that's the guy i want for this role in lost world and that like catapulted his career so that Mm -hmm. happens
1: and uh and what's her name from lost world uh the daughter malcolm's daughter she saw her in little princess and was like "I i want her
3: i did not realize that yeah so yeah i mean basically like There's that history. So I don't think they they saw Safety Not Guaranteed and thought, oh, this guy looks like somebody that we can push around for a third movie. But, you know, I just it just it's really surprising because like now he's now I've seen he's got two films feature length to like his credit, and both of them have been well reviewed and and well seen for the level in which they were released. Well, like you know, indie film and and blockbuster. And and now it's going to be episode nine, and, and with, it's going to do really well.
1: Well, with, with Ryan Johnson, is it Ryan or Rain? I always, I, I, I want to get his name right.
3: I believe it's. I Ryan. usually just say it quickly, so I, I'm not mispronouncing. it. <laughs> with
1: Ryan Johnson, uh, with 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 Ryan Johnson, I didn't really care for Looper that much, but I believe the guy has an eye. Like I believe the guy can make decisions and. Can move forward with the story and really, you know, really see it to the end. You know, see a vision to the end. Um, mm-hmm. But granted, to be completely fair, I've only seen Jurassic World, and that's the only that's the only thing of Colin Trevorrow that I've seen. And I have hours to talk about with that, but it's not that favorable. Like I don't know. I mean, he's probably a really great guy. You know, like I actually heard an interview of uh, with Colin Trevorrow on a on a Jurassic Park podcast, very similar to sort of State of the Empire, but it's all Jurassic Park stuff. And he seemed genuinely like super excited and he really seemed to know the original movies and and was like, you know, anything you could possibly want possibly want for. uh, He was everything you could possibly want in a director for a Jurassic Park movie. But and that's what I held out hope until, you know, I started seeing the teaser and the trailer. And I'm like, all right, well, this ain't quite what what I thought it was going to be. But then even going into the movie, I thought, okay, I'll give it a fair shake. But, you know, when it was over, I saw a lot of flaws and I saw an incomplete film. So I don't know, man. Uh,
2: yeah, who is he? That's my main yeah. question. Who is this guy? Yeah. I feel like I don't know. Like I still what, don't know. I tried to the, find out. I still
1: don't know. Yeah, what, what's the thing that you, that you point to and say, this is why this guy did Star Wars? Like You can look at Gareth Edwards and be like, you know what, Godzilla. That's why he got like, Star Wars. I, wait, Maybe wait, we just got to see what happens. Maybe get, this could be well, the thing that knocks it out of the park, you know?
3: Benefit, benefit of the doubt is he didn't write either of those movies, Jurassic World or, or Safety Not Guaranteed. Now, the guy who wrote Safety Not Guaranteed and is also, one of the writers on Jurassic World is coming into Episode Nine and working on the script with Ryan Johnson. So, like now, but he's if he's bringing that person, but maybe maybe Trevorrow is a victim of the the stories he's gotten or like the maybe studio we don't know because of you know because it's really it's just two films. That's it. Like yeah. two that didn't that didn't tell me something good or bad. You know, like like even Abrams has kind of a, a limited actual like directing as far as feature length films i think he's only directed four despite like his very lengthy career but at least like in those you kind of got a sense of who he was like nothing about either safety not guaranteed or or dress world really told me much about the directing of the film because i don't none of them really i don't know it didn't do anything it's like and also once again very like you said doug like that panel i saw Super personable. He seems like an awesome guy. This is not a personal attack, like at all. Like he, like he seems like a really, really cool, knowledgeable, nice dude. But I don't know. There, there, there is something very strange. But and, who and is I hate he? To say it, but, yeah. but, but, but so as, personable as, as, that as, once again, this whole like marketing the directors, like we now have like for in five movies we have like what now like six white male directors that seem very marketable as far as their personalities and appearance. Like, I don't know. It seems it's very strange at this point. I'm just saying to be what they're going for.
1: Like, like it's like cap keeps saying, who is he? But like as an artist, who is he? What are his influences? Clearly star Wars has to be an influence. Clearly Jurassic park has to be an influence. Spielberg films, obviously. And, but like, but who is he as an artist? What is his voice? What is his angle on things? Like with, with Ryan Johnson, you got brick. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you can, like, and as indie movies go, holy shit. So, but you can see like a a body of work developing where you can kind of get a sense of who this person is, what their worldview is. But with Colin Trevorrow, he just nice guy aside, I don't, I don't really know anything else about him. And he, I mean, I know that he loves Jurassic Park, and he, you know, grew up watching some of the sort of same movies we did. But as an artist, what is his take on things? What is his
2: voice? And
1: I don't really
3: know what that is.
2: Yeah. And and me and I don't either. And I was hoping to learn that and I haven't.
3: Well, you know, we have we have another chance though. Next yeah. year he does have another movie coming out next summer.
2: And and we'll so, see it. We'll see it and we'll tell yeah. you about it. I mean even, even And you
3: know what? I I reserve the right, like all of us, to completely change my mind based on, on
1: <laughs> Sure. Think. No, sure, completely. That's the thing, man. All it takes is one really good movie to go, Yeah, hey, you know what, he can do it, you know? Like the same way we're yeah. worried about uh the fellow playing young Han Solo. You guys saw him in Hail Caesar, and it goes, oh no, he can do this. You know, like, That's all it takes. I just want to see something. But like, even with J.J. Abrams, I know his aesthetic is mystery box and Apple products. Like, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I know what to expect. But, you know,
2: whatever. Uh, let's, let's just see. We got some other stuff going on. Speaking of Abrams, he was doing press for uh, Star Trek Beyond, which he produced, uh, and got asked by Collider Steve Weintraub what he'd like to see in a Star Wars anthology film, because Rogue One's coming out. And he complimented the works of Kathleen Kennedy and the Lucasfilm crew as doing, you know, like a great job telling new stories and and admitted that there's not really anything he'd love to see, but he did offer this. He said, I guess the one thing I would say is there's a Knights of Ren story I think would be pretty cool to tell. Hmm. Which is a weird thing to say. Mm -hmm. Well. I mean, he probably helped come up with the
1: backstory of what the Knights of Run are and what their deal is. So he would know better wow. than most.
3: <laughs> Do you think he, he provided any backstory other than coming up with the myster- mysterious concept?
1: Touché. Touché. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, he's like, eh, that's a pretty cool looking mask there. I wonder what's under there. Uh, I bet if I don't know. <laughs>
3: like, let someone else figure it out. Sure. Why not? Uh, what what? Uh, Cap? Can you can you just like the exact wording again that he said? There's probably an interesting story, or there is an interesting story.
2: I think there would be a. I think it would be pretty cool to tell. Is what he said.
3: Okay, so that sounds like he actually had – because you know it's a whole thing. Even if you don't tell something's backstory, like you should probably have a bible of what is yeah. going on in the world I'm you su- create. Sure, Lawrence you know, has done something. Yeah, he ha- he has a reputation. Probably not completely fair because, you know, a lot of these projects are handed off to, you know, when it came to TV, you know, specifically True. referencing Lost. Yeah. But, um, and Fringe. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know. That's just a, it is a weird statement. But, sure, it would probably what, be a cool movie. I'd rather see a, a movie about, like, ancient Sith or something.
2: How do you know they're the not ancient Sith, guys.
3: <laughs> I You know, that's a good point. Um,
2: that's what it could be. Well, <laughs> the, th- the th- thing that's weird about this is he says there's a story he thinks would be cool to tell as an anthology story. Well, the Knights of Ren were so heavily promoted in a way that I've always felt like, well, we're, we're going to get more answers about Kylo. We're inevitably going to get more answers about these guys. But he's kind of implying by saying this that maybe we're not. Granted, I'm sure he's well out of the loop now as to what the story group is doing because he doesn't need to be in the loop anymore but um, Collider took that to mean that the Knights of Ren aren't going to be circled back to in Episodes 8 or 9, which is a fair point.
3: Hmm. Hmm.
2: In other news, Jennifer Murrow is a name that I've never heard before, but she recently came into the Star Wars spotlight because um, she tweeted that she's working on a new project for Lucasfilm, and it's not something that's currently on the air. She's a writer for the new Justice League series, um, cartoon series, Justice League Action. So... Um, she, so she's working on something new. We know that Lucasfilm has something else going on that based on her background is likely for animated television. She said, "Lothcat's out of the bag, bottom line, it's a new thing. And I've taken my first steps into a larger world for those privately asking about Lucasfilm. Yes, I'm the writer and no, it's not something on the air now. That's all I can say
3: young Indiana Jones revival
2: yeah see that's the thing because she said Lucasfilm and she didn't say Star Wars uh-huh. and could it be a Willow show I think that Willow it,
3: animated series how would you guys feel about that I think
2: I would I would love it I would uh, yeah I'd lose my mind um, I would I would I would I would lose my mind so unless um, it's
1: like a documentary about Tucker a man in his dream like.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or the Radioland
1: murders for kids yeah <laughs> Now, uh, it's a a sequel to Tucker, man in his dream, but it's about Elon Musk.
2: (laughs) Willow Watch. Let's just do it right now. Let's just do Willow Watch right now. Willow. Welcome to Willow Watch, our segment where we talk about all of our collective findings on the world of George Lucas and Ron Howard and Bob Dolman's fantasy epic Willow. And uh, are us perpetually searching for signs of a sequel or continuation of some kind. Now, we mentioned that I uh, I went on a trip to San Diego Comic-Con and then also showed up in L.A. and hung out with Matt for a while. Well, Matt and I, we, we did some hanging out uh, with someone else as well. We we had dinner with Bob Dolman, which was a lovely, lovely time. Mm-hmm. Which made me total jelly. Coach <laughs> jelly. <laughs> we, we were all very sorry you couldn't be there, Doug. Yeah. Now... Following this wonderful evening of, of stories and, and friendship, uh, Bob started sending me emails where he's, he's, been, he's been digging up his notebooks from when he was, uh, when he was writing Willow, inspired by our discussions. Um, notebooks specifically from 86 and 87 during meetings with uh, Lucas and Ron Howard and also his research on medieval cultures and myths. One of the things that uh, Bob found in his notes was uh, breakdowns of several movies that he was studying for Willow. He kind of mentioned this in the Willow Watch special we did, where we, uh, we interviewed him at length. Uh, he watched Three Godfathers, My Darling Clementine, because uh, apparently Ron Howard loves John Ford, and uh, Lucas's Kurosawa contributions, Seven Samurai, and Yojimbo. He also had a, uh, an amazing, amazing production meeting, he recounted, from Skywalker Ranch, where George Lucas told the line producer Nigel Wool that he wants bears to play the death dogs in the film, they ended up being played by I think Dobermans in uh, in big rat costumes. Uh, Wool said, "No, George, please, anything but bears. Bears don't run; they lumber, and they're horrible to work with. Have you considered monkeys?" And Lucas said, "No, monkeys. We had a terrible time with monkeys on Raiders." And then Wool throws up his arms and says, "He won't work with monkeys, but he'll work with bears." <laughs> I love that. That's so good. I I mean that's George Lucas is crazy, and, the, and like in kind of like the best when it comes to these these collaborative films. That doesn't like, that doesn't sound the, that crazy to me. The, it's the like, best the best way possible. He want Doug. He wanted to put costumes on bears. <laughs> <laughs> right. I get it, but like it's. I mean, really,
1: it's not that crazy. you're like he's a crazy man. I'm like that's not that crazy. I mean, like when they were doing Close Encounters, they put a goddamn suit on a monkey and put him on roller skates and had him roll down the ramp, you know, of the mothership. It's like, that is crazy. Like, why would you think a monkey on roller skates is going to do anything? Like, that is of itself, that's a comedy of errors waiting to happen. It's like a Three Stooges movie. Like, what did you think was going to happen? But if you put, like... Because, I mean, look,
2: dude, from Star Wars, they put costumes on elephants, you know? Elephants wore costumes in traditional Indian practices anyway. Like they, Elephants are, are mostly docile animals. But bears... Bears are are they're bears. Movie man. bears, not like uh, capture a wild bear, trank it, drag it in, and but throw a costume on it. Like a trained bear. Bear, they're lo- they're low to the ground, but yeah. also gigantic. Yeah, like wool is right. They 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 lumber. That's, yeah, that's a crazy thing. It just imagine if you will. I mean, if he could pull it off, it would be. But what I'm saying. What's amazing here is that Lucas's persistence of Having a crazy idea and me like, no, that's what we're doing. I mean, granted, it didn't end up happening. Right. And I think we're better for it. Right. But, like, can you imagine? Can you imagine a bear that looked like a, a death dog <laughs> charging through the woods? It sounds terrifying, and I think
1: that's what he wanted.
2: Incredible. Just incredible. I, I really look forward to, to what more treasures come from uh, these uh, these notebooks that Bob's digging through. Now, I actually found a, a thing online that I hadn't seen before. This is a Twitter conversation that occurred... Um, About a year ago, August 16th, 2015, Warwick Davis said, um, just in general, to no one in particular, I'm overwhelmed with all your lovely comments about Willow. Thank you. Val Kilmer and I were together recently, and we often talk of a sequel. And that was replied to by uh, someone called Danny the World, which is at uh, Comics Rock. Um, I believe he's a comics artist, but I can't... um, I, 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 it, has, it has no information as to who he actually is mm. on uh, on his page at all. He said he had three heart emojis and said, I hope this happens someday. And he's a guy who talks a lot with Gerard Way, the front man for My Chemical Romance, who's also uh, at this point increasingly better known as a major figure in comic books right now. Hmm. Um, for those of you who aren't, aren't aware, uh, he's got an Eisner Award for his series Umbrella Academy And recently, DC Comics has given him his own imprint at DC to do crazy, weird, artsy stories um, with their most obscure characters. Uh, It's an imprint called Young Animal, and that's what he's concentrating on right now. Um, I will be at North Carolina Comic-Con, along with Gerard Way, potentially doing some panels with Gerard Way, in, uh, in November, so if you're in um, anywhere near Durham, North Carolina, or want to travel for a great small uh, comic book convention with some big talent, come out and see us there. Uh, I, I'm definitely going to ask him about Willow because because I'm getting ahead of myself. Gerard Way replied to all, replied to Warwick Davis, Val Kilmer, and this, this guy who may or may not be a comics artist and said, I would camp out for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. who wouldn't? Who wouldn't is right, but I don't I I I don't think Lucasfilm knows. You know, I, I I'm just saying I, I want everybody to tweet to Gerard Way about Willow. I want everybody to tweet, you know, hashtag Willow, hashtag WillowWatch. I want if you're listening to this and you love Willow, I know you're out there. Everybody I would talk to who's seen Willow, anyone who's seen Willow loves Willow. And and I think that's an important thing. That Willow is it's so weird because everybody loves it, but it hasn't succumbed to the degrees of fan obsession that many other things have Hmm. even though everybody universally loves it and i'm not sure i'm not sure why i'm kind of glad that it's it exists in its own weird bubble where we can dig into the history of willow and discover so much surprising stuff um but you know it's there we would love to see more willow stories in a world filled with far too many uh remakes and too much brand recognition dictating the the world of, of 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 major motion pictures and i still want to see more willow i don't care yeah i want to see a comic book i want to see a tv series i want to see another movie whatever you got whatever we can do i want to see it so um hashtag willow watch let's make it happen let's keep the conversation going of course you can find more uh ways to interact with us about willow on the state of the empire facebook page which is also the willow watch facebook page and um and and our respective uh, Nerdy Show Twitter handles, the Nerdy Show forums, but uh, just want to let everybody know in this in this moment of Willow here, let's keep it alive because we have allies everywhere. The fact that Gerard Way, who I saw give a panel to a, an audience of screaming teens who will buy every single weird adult story that he writes, like these are kids who are consuming funky artwork. Because this cool rocker dude's telling them to. Mm-hmm. If he says, yo, Willow is where it's at, check out Willow. He doesn't talk like that. <laughs> yo, kids. <laughs> Willow's Willow is where, it's where it's at. at. <laughs> <laughs> if he says that, they will watch it and right. they will love Willow. So I'm just saying, uh, we got allies out there. Mm-hmm. We got we got them where we don't expect him. The fact that Gerard Way loves Willow makes me I was already like I don't. I've never. I've never. I've never listened to My Chemical Romance. I I got the impression that they weren't for me. I've never checked them out. Mm-hmm. But I have read his comic books, and I am very excited about what for what he's about to debut with Young Animal coming in September, and and I th- I think he's a cool guy. You think we could convince him to have My Chemical Romance do a Willow themed concept album? <laughs> well, he might have to wait till he's done with his comic phase, but. Yeah. It's it's we we gotta find we gotta find all of our allies we gotta find all of our Willow al- allies out there and make more Willow happen. So
1: what would you call we have to, we, we're gonna have to coin the phrase of what you would call Willow fans. Do we do we have to?
2: It's always I mean, kind of always Yeah,
1: it's always a little hand-fisted, But if you if we can come up with a good name for it as a shorthand, because there's ghost heads for Ghostbusters,
2: there's trekkers and trekkies for Star Trek. Uh the Black Roots. The Black Roots. The, the, Chalindry's wands. <laughs> <What>? uh, <laughs> just, you're They're just naming try, objects. Try to spell that shit. <laughs> um, uh,
1: There's brown coats the, for the, the you know the firefly. The pecs. pecs It makes it sound like everyone's every, every, everyone's a pack. Like we're packs. <laughs> like, uh, I don't. Daikinis know. sounds like stupid, Dothraki. Stupid daikinis.
2: We're stupid daikinis with two O's. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Um, to, I, hey, if you got any suggestions, we're all ears. Um, I mean, we're not having a an indie inquiry this episode, but that was, that 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 funny fun um title to uh the the Indiana Jones portion of our Willow Watch coverage. Um, that was fan created. So if you guys have any suggestions as to uh, if we don't come up with something first, uh, what's what's the name for for fans of Willow? It's a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't know that we're gonna get something concise and fun. And maybe that's why the Willow fandom has been not a fandom. Because hmm. they haven't worries. organized. That's a,
1: that, you know for real. That may be the thing, just because they haven't organized. You know, we need like Willow Teamsters.
2: We need WillowCon 2017. <laughs> so uh, Matt got me the Willow soundtrack by James Horner, um, score really. I don't think that they wouldn't really consider a soundtrack. He got me this on vinyl. He found found the original the original pressing of this, and it's great because it's got you know full color photography and all that. But what was really special about it, other than the, the music on on the disc? Was that it came with a promotional flyer uh, on on the full color side? It was an adver- uh, advertisement to join the Lucasfilm Fan Club, which I did back in the day. Um, but on the other side, a whole page advertising all new Willow merchandise, mm-hmm. just showing how they did they did market this film with the intention of uh, of it being Star Wars scale potentially, um, and it just never happened. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, hunky posters of Val Kilmer. Oh, yeah, that Mad Mardigan mural poster. 26 by 74. Only $10! <laughs> <laughs> I-, I wish we could still mail away for these things. They've got to be in a warehouse somewhere. The Willow hat? The The Willow hat is dumb and awesome. It's got, like, a picture of Willow that's, like, on the bill. It looks like a cake you'd wear on your head.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just that If that hat is a snapback, I mean, that would be... You know that would be really big right now. Yeah. But yeah, no,
2: I love the little action figures. Those are like D and D figurines. Those are like perfect. Now those they did used to sell in the Lucasfilm um, fan club monthly catalog, and I always considered asking my parents to buy them for me as a kid. Though they did look kind of dinky. Now I want them. Then I was like, but they're not as good as Star Wars action figures. <laughs> well, because they don't really move. But that's why I said they'd be they'd be perfect for like a tabletop game.
1: But Yeah man, no, they got we got to get organized. We got to we got to figure out you know, what's it going to take. I mean, I've seen some cool cosplay online, but only like like 3 people have done it. At least the least that I could find in a few minutes of searching on Google, but there's some wicked cosplayers uh doing some good work for Willow, but man, we need more.
3: Well, I I guess you're sort of giving us a task for Celebration Orlando next year.
1: Oh yeah, we got to get organized with uh Willow like it's a store. Dude, you got to we're gonna we're gonna break the con. We're gonna break celebration. We're gonna go. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna crash celebration with Willow cosplayers, riders of Nokmar. People like, oh, is this the Knights Actually, of
3: Red? Fuck you! These are Knights of Nokmar. <laughs> like, you know the the Willow hood, like sort of like there was like twenty of them that all came and, and sort of like flash mobbed the. Yeah. I want to say celebration. Like we should do that with Willow.
2: That would be amazing. How are you? Okay, so
1: no no, what we got to do is we got to we got to uh, have someone go up on the big balcony as Bath Morda and be like, "Yo, pigs!" and then just like let pigs loose <laughs> into the, into the into the
2: conference center. Like <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Oh my god. Um, we could we could or, do- just, or the flash mob could just be regular dressed people.
1: And just someone, ah, you're all pigs, and people just go, ah! And they all start falling down, <laughs> turn into pigs, get one of those little fake, you know, pig snouts that you can buy with a string on, it and just put it on. <laughs> that would be
2: incredible. Now, how 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 to organize that? I don't even. How do you organize flash mobs? You know, how I don't know. I don't know. We got we got to figure that out though. If you if you would like to help us organize a Willow flash mob at Star Wars Celebration Orlando next year, hey, uh, reach out to us star wars at Nerdyshow.com uh, is our email address. Um cuz we should make this happen i mean at the very least we should do a a Thruples costume of uh, you know lug and lug's wife and mad mardigan <laughs> <laughs> in, in drag i, don't, I like <laughs> mad
1: mardigan in drag is a great cosplay <laughs> <laughs> You don't even have to look like Val Cumber. You just put enough of the stuff on you. You got a little hood on. If you feel confident enough,
3: I would venture that all of the Willow movie is good for like gender bending cosplay. Actually, yeah, that's I think true. that's like that's yeah. a really good resource for that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, let's they just, do it. The, the costumes are, admittedly, in most cases, they, they're gonna they're they're good. They're good costumes, yeah. so they're gonna take some Great. work. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, true. Heaven forbid if you want to be General Kale or Sorsha, you're gonna be in, Oh boy. You got your work cut out for you. Um <laughs> or Bath Mortar for that matter. So yeah, but if you if you're bold enough to to go bare chested, you can be a brownie super easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See some full-size brownies running around. Or just get, like, little – Just
1: someone should just make little brownie figures. Like, you've seen those people do, like, Ant-Man, those little Ant-Man figures, and they take them out into public places, like, against a bent stop sign, and they have, like, Ant-Man, like, he punched it or whatever. Just take brownies out into the world start doing that, too. Actually,
3: yeah, we should start leaving brownies, like, around the time of celebration, and then, like, in the convention itself, just leave brownies around with uh, Willow Watch notes. That Guys, would be, we're going to make this happen.
2: That would be pretty sweet. Okay, if you want – like, seriously, though, we we're just three people – um, three people with a dream. Three people <laughs> with a dream and not a lot of spare time. So <laughs> if if you want to help us make this happen, NerdyShow.com. Like help help us make some mag some Willow magic happen at Star Wars Celebration. We've already got some plans. Um, we're gonna try to lock some things down before we we share those plans. We want them to be real actual things that are happening. But but all this cool stuff we're talking about, we want we let's let's go crazy. Let's plan some Willow hijinks. Let's inject willow into the world of the lucasfilm fandom like it's just there's just not enough of it people are all indiana jones and star wars yeah yeah yeah. enough of that let's talk about willow that's Mm -hmm. what's up thus ends willow watch now we don't have much left to talk about before we open the blast doors and even then it's not not too much to talk about we do we do have a little bit though but first before we go on let's talk about the awesome people who make State of the Empire, and all the programming on the Nerdy Show network happen. Because we're an entirely listener-supported podcast network. We rely on you, 100%. If you go to nerdyshow.com support, you'll find all the different ways that you can help the network. You can fund this series directly by subscribing to us on Patreon, and even a dollar will get you a ton of State of the Empire-related bonus audio, early releases when available, and uh, and all kinds of other stuff. $5 or more gets you way more bonus content. $10 lets you get into the Nerdy Show Lounge where we uh, we talk with the, – the hosts of our, our entire network talk with all the fans uh, giving to us at that level. And uh, we have a lot of cool conversations pertaining to, uh, well, the whole of pop culture. Also, you get shout-outs at that um, – uh, monthly shout-outs on, on our programming at that level. There's lots more from there. Um that's the best way to to fund us. But there's other ways as well, such as Amazon. If you shop on Amazon, if you're buying any of the Star Wars products we're talking about in the show via Amazon, you should totally do it via our Amazon links. If you go to nerdyshow.com slash Amazon, you'll find all the links to different stores, U.S. and international, where you can follow those links and anything you buy will give back to Nerdy Show. If you bookmark those links and make those your only Amazon links, then... You will constantly be giving a nerdy show just by doing the shopping you were already going to do. Super easy at no extra cost to you. But one way you can support us that doesn't involve any money whatsoever is rating and reviewing on iTunes. All you got to do is sign up for an account and uh, pop on to our feed and uh, give us a rating five-star rating ideally we have 23 ratings right now and uh that's awesome but also uh also we need more we need lots more we need um at least a couple hundred to make sure that that we're recognized as being you know the greatest star wars podcast which obviously uh we you know we're, we're one of them for sure but uh but who would know our ratings are too low and we have 11 I mean, the v- amount
1: i correct you every time the amount
2: of ratings are too low right the not the not the qua- <laughs> the quality is as up high I, I there's many different terms yeah Th- thank you for correcting me um <laughs> We have, we have 11 reviews, and we have two awesome reviews that we want to read on the show uh, right now. Uh, so, Matt, how about you, uh,
3: you You do yours? Oh, yeah. Let me, uh, let me jump into it. It's a trap by Crafty Bastard. Sorry, no, not a trap. That was an error in the binary language of my moisture evaporator. What it is, though, is a really wonderful podcast about the past, present, and future of Star Wars as a pop culture phenomenon brought to you by the fine folks of Nerdy Show. Every episode brings the latest news and speculation about the forthcoming movies, comics, novels, and TV shows that all tie into the wonderful Star Wars universe. Listening to these guys will get you laughing and excited about Star Wars again, just like digging out your old Kenner action figures. And, in addition, every episode includes Willow Watch, a great segment concerned with rumblings around the classic fantasy film Willow. Subscribe now, and together we can rule the galaxy as um, fellow podcast listeners.
2: Thank you, Crafty Bastard. That was wonderful.
3: Yes, that was very, thank you. That was very nice.
2: What you got, Doug? Yeah,
1: and I got gets me hyped for all things Star Wars by, what do you mean my name is taken? All one word. (laughs) 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 These cats know their stuff. They're funny, informative, speculative, and even spoilery, though those are easy to avoid in the podcast. It's one of the few podcasts where I stop my day and listen all the way through no matter what I'm doing.
2: Which is a crazy hell of a compliment.
1: Yeah. I wondered, was this my mom? Because <laughs> <I think, laughs> that's so flattering. Thank you. Thank you for uh, for that uh, wonderful uh, review, What Do You Mean My Name Is Taken? Yeah, It's a mouthful, but I appreciate your effort.
2: <laughs> yeah, thanks, everyone. And remember, nerdyshow.com slash support has the links to all the different ways you can support us. Patreon, one-time donations, Amazon, and even info on how, how best to do the uh, iTunes reviews, where you can go for that and so on and so forth now, a couple more fun notes at San Diego Comic Con, I guess it's a tradition now Hasbro's gonna show off a gigantic, super expensive vehicle this year they showed off the ATACT, the all-terrain armored cargo transport from Rogue One and this thing blew my mind yes, at face value it's just an ATAT, but it's not, it's not at all this thing is a remote-controlled playset. We have an article that I'll link to on this episode's page, where I took a little bit of cell phone video to show off these things. Um, they didn't; they had them anchored so they could act in a diorama. But these these will actually be free-moving ATAT vehicles. I mean, like you these you always dreamed of your ATAT like walking vehicle yeah. walking. These actually do it by, by by remote control. By remote control, yes. It features five buttons. One, one that toggles through programmable walk cycles, one that fires a Nerf dart, two head movements, and one that triggers lights and sounds. I wonder how mobile they are. Like, could you take it into, like, a sandbox, you know? I don't, I mean, I, I assume the sand c- could actually screw up the, the gears if well, I mean, it fell it, over. Well, if but... it fell
1: over, yeah. But, I mean, like, if you just have it walking, I wonder, like, could it go up an incline a little bit? I mean, like, it, there's no I, way it's going to go up any stairs, the, but fact just, that, like... the fact that it walks at all is yeah. Uh, incredible. Yeah um how well does it walk i i I don't know or just kind of shuffles along but either way man what a what a time to be a kid yeah exactly
2: now granted you gotta have a you gotta have who who am i kidding adults are gonna buy this like you know like (laughs) all the adults are gonna buy this they're doug they're gonna buy it but they're gonna complain about it every step of the way and they're gonna be like hasbro how dare you make me buy this thing and here's why i say that i don't i don't malign adult toy collectors that's that's fine i think it's you know it's cool that these things exist um and, and, I, I mean, I, I love that this exists. I'm ultimately, I think it's more awesome for kids. But, I mean, that's just me. I don't have room for that shit in my life. But here's the thing. I posted this video. All the comments have been shitty by shitty people who make nerds look bad. What are they complaining about? They're, they're like, this is a ripoff of the, of the mold. It's garbage. Like, the mold, the mold from the original at Who has, gives has a shit? Just trying to get our money. And I'm like, this is for people to play with. They're for, the, All these control features, you can also control this thing from your cell phone. Which is a fun feature, but when I was talking to the Hasbro rep, he said, but we recognize that that's a feature that could easily become obsolete with the fast evolution of technology, which is why we made sure the buttons were on there so parents could continue to play with their kids through the end of time. Yeah, That's what this is all about, man. It's
1: meant to be played with. It's not like a recreation, like one-to-one, you know, detailed, you know, walking model. It's meant to... That you could probably you probably could take it into a sandbox, have it fall over, and
2: have it not break is the idea, you know. I, I just want to say I think toy toy collection is really cool. Stop being an asshole. Just stop, man. That's all I got. But more more on the the great features of this toy. It has it comes with three exclusive figures, and and the cargo part of the ATACt the orange thing. It, it actually is a modular cargo deck. It folds open and can actually come out into this weird... I guess that's... I don't know how they operate in the film, but I guess that, that's like a mobile platform for loading cargo on. So you can take that out, you can put it on the ground, and you can also stage a zip line between the ATA C T and the, the cargo deck. Nice. It's so cool. And it shoots a Nerf dart by yeah. remote control. <laughs> so shut up. It's awesome. But it is very expensive, though.
3: It's- yeah, the, the, the toy... It's like toy nerddom seems to be one of the more toxic communities. And I don't know if that's ever going to change or if it's just the nature that it's like specifically digging at wallets. Like there's no other way to avoid that. And so they're a little more critical than normal, but yeah, I don't understand how someone can look at that and look at their old Kenner ATAT and think that like, this is somehow a downgrade. It looks so freaking cool.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna or
1: be... or that their old Kenner, you know, Walker wasn't also a cash grab, you know, <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's, like what do you think they they made it out of the kind of... Just because you got it for free from your parents doesn't mean it was you know someone didn't have to pay money for it.
2: Yeah, this this thing costs between two hundred and eighty and three hundred dollars. That's wow, that's hella expensive. The diorama I saw had three of them in it. Ooh. <laughs> you try recreating that at home. I I agree. It will be very expensive. If you want to do it, that's up to you. I don't personally don't think you should. But you know, if you're if you're loaded, yeah. can consider contributing to State of the Empire, because we need it more, yeah. <laughs> more than Kenner does. I ain't rich, rich. <laughs> like... Um but yeah, I don't I, I don't like throwing shade, but just lighten up, guys. Just lighten up. It's not that's not fun for anybody. Come on. Um as far as things that are fun for everybody, we finally got to try out Taco Donna in Star Wars Battle Pod. Yeah, how'd that go? Oh, it was great, Doug. It was great. Um, if you like one hell of a pilot. best pilot in the galaxy (laughs) i'm currently holding the top rankings we have star wars battle pod is this really really cool immersive experience that is apparently at a bunch of different locations but definitely at all dave and busters and uh you can play through a number of levels and it's upgradable so they added taco donna into the game um and matt and i tried it out
3: i didn't fare as well i got near the end but cap cap blew me away
2: I feel for you, man, because that was, it, the, the the there's this one final guy you got to kill, which reminds me a lot of the Hoth stage, and the Hoth stage plagued me forever. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug, you're still you're still the highest ranked on Hoth.
1: Oh yeah, that's like that's the one takeaway I get was like, hey, I made it out of Hoth alive. <laughs> that was the one uh, out of all of the darkest days of the re- rebellion. Uh, I at least made I at least survived that one. Like, this is pretty bleak. If you screw this level up, Leia dies. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's
1: pretty fucked up wow there's no pressure <laughs> like at least in the the uh, i mean in the hoth one yeah like if the transport doesn't get away the transport blows up but damn yeah. all right
3: you know like i don't know if it's just they've, they've learned a lot from from doing the other levels or or what it was about this particular thing but this particular level s- felt so polished that I found myself like whooping like Oscar Isaac in <laughs> when I was playing it. Like <laughs> you know, the, I mean, you get an authentic confirm. experience from the other levels, but I didn't feel like I was talking like Luke or or you know whatever the case may be or like Lando or anything like that. Like this one, I definitely felt like Poe Dameron.
2: It's pretty great. I love I love Star Wars Battle Pod. I hope to be playing Star Wars Battle Pod for years and years and years. Every time they update it, it's so good. Um, if you want to compare your scores with ours, well, uh, no one has yet. Actually, it's all been. Um, Someone's got to get the guts. It's it's been it's been my, uh, us three and Colin. All trying to best each other on there, but we want we want fans to submit scores. We have a thread on the Nerdy Show forums, which we'll link to on this episode's page, dedicated to posting photos of Star Wars Battle yeah. Pod scores.
1: We do we do want some photo evidence at least to show that yeah, you're we, not making it up. We
2: got to confirm so we can lock in these official rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, but please 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 join in the battle because it's uh God it's a lot of fun and I have spent more money at Dave and Buster's than I have in a very very long time. <laughs> also, don't play the Ghostbusters game; it's garbage. It's a waste of money. Yeah. It's fucking awful. Um, and here's, here's one last bit of video game news. We, we knew that with, the, with the, the decimation of LucasArts that uh, a lot of projects got killed, and one of the ones that was heavily rumored or discussed was that there was a Battlefront game that was pretty far along was ready to go. Turns out it was Battlefront 3, mm-hmm. and there's now a very long um, in-house trailer of the alpha design of the game online and it looks incredible
1: keeping in mind
2: the time when it came out right it it would have been very impressive and and matt there's a lot there with the story because i never played the battlefront games there's a lot there that you gleaned from it that i couldn't um but it was very impressive regardless it
3: it looked like a continuation of the storyline that they were that they set up in the campaigns that were in the psp editions with the clone brothers that could touch the force and that was kind of a thing that like Being that I didn't have a PSP, um, I only kind of like briefly researched, like it wasn't really a thing that I got into, but those characters appeared in the trailer, and the game looked awesome. Rest in peace.
2: So we'll link to where you can see that on this episode's page. (sighs) But now the time has come. Uh, We got to say our goodbyes, unless, of course... (laughs) Unless of course you want us to, uh, you want you want to open the blast doors with us and see what it lies behind the spoiler walls. If you do, well, uh, it's not going to be too much longer. We just got a little bit to discuss this time. But uh, in 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 parting, I do want to say that if you are stout of heart and don't mind uh, disturbing erotic experiences, <laughs> okay, well, okay, this is not it's not what I expect you to say. <laughs> um, one of our shows, on the Nerdy Show Network, Friday Night Fan Fiction, recently did uh, they they they're a, they're a drinking game podcast where they read the worst. Fan fiction imaginable And every time someone laughs Or misspeaks Or mispronounces The already sometimes Poorly typed words They have to drink Um They recently did An all Star Wars episode Oh lord uh, Featuring something From the prequel era In which Padme visits Kishik And um Say no more (laughs) (laughs) Please say no more And a a, a different version Of episode 7 Called a nude hope (laughs) Which is a joke As old as time I think Um so, yeah, if you want to check that out, uh, Season 4, Episode 10 of Friday Night Fan Fiction. The episode's called Space Noun. Um, and we'll link to it on this episode's page. And now, we're going to open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. Welcome to the other side of the blast doors. It's nice of you to join us. So, here's the scoop on Jetta. Um, We've talked about this a lot in the past. I just wanted to put it behind the blast doors in case people are getting increasingly more sensitive about spoilers for Rogue One as the film is coming up. Um, Gareth Edwards says... It's an occupied territory for reasons we probably can't reveal. We saw the um, that facility on top of that mesa, which I believe is on the same planet. Um, I feel at this point it goes without saying it's virtually confirmed. Jeddah is the source for most kyber crystals. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the only source. Perhaps Matt, you can you can clarify that.
3: Yeah, they I mean I think they originated them on Ilum in Clone Wars. I mean they 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 go I mean the the phrase Kyber crystal has been around since 1978, but um, I think its canon origination is in the Clone Wars cartoon on Ilum.
2: So we think unless there there's an additional planet here based on all the notes we've got about the uh, the structure of the plot for rogue one as chronicled in our previous episodes say the empire uh that that must be the mountain base that they spoke of um in the different leaks that we read about uh and and this place has got to be just full of kyber crystals what more reason could there be that, that it being such a holy place mm-hmm. um and for that reason alone it seems unlikely that they would destroy it because there is a second death star true now, I don't know. Is, is there any more information about Kyber crystals being, like, further confirmed? I I feel like it, it really just goes without saying at this point. But I, I feel like there was maybe something else. Um could be wrong. Well,
3: we, they had they had Kyber crystals in, in Clone Wars. They had Kyber crystals in... Um,
2: Tarkin. The novel.
3: Yes, in the Tarkin novel. They had it in Rebels. They had them in the Clone Wars Legacy, like, on Utapau. So they were even on, like, the, like, large ones. Like, because like, they were, you know, like, lightsaber-sized in... Uh, in Clone Wars, when, when all the Padawans were getting their lightsabers. But in, in the Clone Wars Legacy episodes on Utapau, they were carrying crystals that were like, you know, that you could put on a, like a hover sled, like they were big. Definitely ones for like big super lasers. And, and of course, you know, the Separatists trying to get them on Utapau could have been that the Geonosians were thinking about making their, their weapon and everything else, which they really, I feel like they got to clear that one up a little bit still. Like that's that design of the Death Star Revenge of the Sith is too on the nose. Like it would have been nice to see if it like looked like a prototype as opposed to what it ends up being. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry, not Revenge of the Sith, uh, Attack the Clones. It was first in, and then the actual Death Star scene in Revenge of the Sith. Also, I hope they establish that scene is something that I don't know takes place much later. It seems very strange that. Palpatine's already building it. I don't know. There's a lot going on at the end of the prequels. Anyway, couldn't well sorry, couldn't
1: I'm- couldn't have. Hasn't it been like a fan speculation that uh, what we see at the end of Revenge of the Sith is the is, test is, Death Star. Is- like they're what, gonna then yeah. move the, like like it's just gonna hold the super weapon, which they're gonna then move in. Like in Rogue One, we're seeing them install the dish, you know. Like
3: it, it they're gonna have to build. But, it upon But it. why? Like I mean, I know why they were building the like that the Republic, I guess, was building the superstructure of the Death Star because you know, Dooku brought the plans to Sidious, and I don't know. There's a damn it, James Luciano. You need to you need to write a new canon novel about all that because. He spent a long time figuring all that stuff out in his old Expanded Universe stuff and the Plagueis novel and everything else. And then it all just got erased clean. And now I need I need answers. At least he Well, you know what? He's writing the Rogue One Catalyst novel.
0: He sure so is. If I had to
3: guess it's probably all in there because I, he's really good at that stuff.
2: Mm, integral reading, guys. I think it's going to be very important.
3: Yes.
1: Is Chief Bast anywhere in there?
3: Uh, I just hope Poggle the Lesser makes an appearance, at least in reference.
1: I'm just saying, like, this is a wasted opportunity if you don't throw in Chief Bass. Because, like, the whole like the whole time, was like we were talking about, oh, the canon of, oh, he's, is he alive or is he dead? But, oh, or it's his twin. Disney pulled an Etch-a-Sketch and got away with all that. So he is both he, – he is Schrodinger's best. He is both <laughs> alive and not this, alive. This is
2: the man who – who said, uh, "Sir, uh, we got to get the hell out of here"? Yeah, um, the, the Death Star is, is doomed. Yeah, and Tarkin was like, "Shut the fuck up." Um, yeah. the man's a hero, and uh, his his <laughs> continuity is completely
3: uh, yeah, up in the air at this uh, point. Yeah, <laughs> he was he was in my very first uh, Star Wars CCG card pack that I bought. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that that see that's the other thing too. I hope I hope Rogue One Catalyst like brings back all these like that's the other pillar that this that rogue one's hitting on is the star wars ccg and i just want all these characters to come back that stands for collectible card
2: game for those of you who aren't in the know about that um customizable sorry customizable card game but it was it was both collectible and customizable and also not not great as i I recall how
3: dare you uh no i I agree actually actually there were there were a lot of holes that may have gotten cleared up by like later editions of rules but there were a lot of there were many times i played that game where i suddenly said you know what i have no idea how we resolve this
1: no i that's i tried playing that game when it came out because i was so excited the box was so cool i opened it and i was trying to read the rules i'm like i don't know what the hell's going on yeah i got a starter
2: deck and was like oh man i i I can't i I don't i don't i don't know (laughs) um one last thing matt you had a very fascinating observation about a very short clip at the end of the Rogue One trailer involving Donnie Yen.
3: And, and you know what? Actually, since then, I've actually expanded it to think that it might just be more than Donnie Yen. But I will give you some background. If uh, those, those of you who have seen the trailer, which I hope that's everybody listening at this point, at around 1.47 in the trailer, at least the, the version that's posted on the official Star Wars YouTube, uh, Diego Luna's character, Cassian Andor, says that everybody is with with uh, Jin Erso and then it cuts to everybody else in the ship and the characters we know Donnie Yen and Jiang Wen and K2SO are in the back something and someone that's better at this sort of graphic manipulation could tell me better I don't think they're actually in that scene Donnie Yen was what initially drew me because he's Squatting on the floor, and then he gets up and he looks around. And I understand he's blind, so maybe that has something to do with it.
2: But the lighting but started, on him looks a little funny.
3: Yeah, and I started looking at Jiang Wen too. The where, where he's like, I don't know where he's looking off to in that scene. And K2SO looks like his head's hitting the roof, which might be a comic relief thing. But something is off that they shouldn't be there. Donnie Yen, I'm concerned, is because he's dead by this point. Because Jiang Wen kind of hinted towards that at celebration. So
1: so you, th- you think this is a manufactured shot just for the trailer?
3: Yep. I think, I think they were throwing these characters into this particular shot. If it's just Donnie Yen that's manipulated, it's just the show, just to say, oh, because if, if people noticed that it was just a shot of Wen and K2, they would have been, oh, like, all right, he's dead by now. Like Donnie Yen's already gone. But maybe by throwing him in there, people forget about that. This looks like it's towards possibly towards the end of the movie. It sounds like they're heading into the last assault, at least the way Diego and, and uh Felicity Jones are talking. And now they,
1: in the in the other trailer, uh the the celebration like reel with behind the scenes stuff, it was in that shot, she says, May the force be with us. And it was that's how they closed the the reel. And I sure. remember thinking, that's a great killer last line and last shot if you're like one of the only survivors of that group. And you're like, all right, uh, the plans are out there. Like, let's wrap this up. And she she made it, and maybe Diego Luna made it, and they're out on another mission with a whole new, fresh crew. May the force be with us. Boom. End of the story. Like, I, I felt like that felt had some finality to it. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. There's some interesting. I mean, it, it's worth someone that's good at this sort of thing. Look, I've I've asked other people that are good at the sort of thing and don't think that it's a a manipulation of the shot. But like, I I don't know. I think that. Per- Person in question is a rogue one apologist, <laughs> but like, <laughs> aren't we there's... rogue one apologists? <laughs> <laughs> but, but to, to a, a very strange degree, um,
1: I'm gonna look at it on my phone right now.
3: Yeah, it's just there's something going on with the direction that, that Jiang Wen is looking in, and maybe at this point, they're not just I don't know, there's something weird, and I, I could be reading too much into it, but that's why these trailers, you know, they know that these things are, are dissected shot for shot. In addition to that, I also think that the TIE fighter, the really cool shot where the TIE fighter comes above the uh, the platform when Felicity Jones is walking out towards the edge, there, I do not think that TIE fighter in that situation is hostile. Yeah, me either. Um, I think it's probably being piloted by Cassian or K2 or someone. Yeah, they're, they're picking
1: her up. They're picking her up to leave, probably. Because if yeah. it was coming in hot, like like to you know shoot it, then yeah. That's
3: also... Going back to connections with dark forces, there is there is very specifically at the end of the Nar Shaddaa level, there's the 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 droid IG whatever his name was. It wasn't IG88, but it was another another droid bounty hunter. When he gets away, a tie bomber comes up in just the same way to Kyle Katarn and starts firing at him. And then that's when um, Jan Ors rescues him. But the shot is very reminiscent, at least for me, about that. I don't mean that it's stolen. I just mean like there's a certain universality about this movie in this era that like Gareth Edwards clearly captured. And I think that's really, really cool. And that it's evoking a lot of non movie nostalgia, just movie connected nostalgia, but not actually from the old movies.
1: Looking at this shot in question, I can see what you're talking about, but I I could also say that maybe this shot is just from a different point in the movie. Like it's it, it's out of context. Like it's not. This isn't the shot where Jen Orso is like, "Are you with me?" And everyone's like, "Hooray!" This could be earlier in the film when they're about to land in a hot zone. Because you look at the other crew members; they're not like, "Yeah, we're with you." They're kind of looking scared. Like, yeah, like,
3: like, why aren't you asking us?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, and and if if these guys are, they're, they're sort of looking at the side, of the little, like looking out a window, like maybe they know the place. I don't know. So I mean, it could be, it could be, yeah, it could be made up just for the trailer regardless you know either way or it could be from way earlier in the film because if, well, if you're gonna fake i'm, a I'm shot, wondering
3: i'm wondering if it, if those three are composited in there i, like, I know what you mean an actual but, shot but
1: but like if you're gonna go that far to composite three characters into a shot where they're not there why not just put the other characters there too you know what i mean like why not Like, why just the three of them awkwardly in a shot that's already got these other people surrounding them? Why not a shot where the three of them are sitting there by themselves in an empty container, you know, or in in an empty cargo hold? Like, why have them framed? maybe,
3: maybe, Maybe they don't make it that far.
1: Maybe, but, but but why have them framed by all these other things that would draw your eye? And maybe that's why the lighting's weird. Maybe they darkened the lighting around these side characters so your eyes would be drawn to the center. They did the same thing in the trailer for uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. When it's like the beginning, it's like, and the man with the hat is back. And, he's, and the Russian army surrounds them and runs up to them. Ray Winstone's like, this ain't going to be easy. And he's like, not as easy as it used to be. The Russians that are there aren't pointing their guns at them like they're digitally cropped and zoomed in. So their guns mm. are just lowered. But in the actual movie, like the AKs are like in their face, you know, like it's, it's unmistakable. So, I mean, granted, they probably just did that for censorship reasons in a trailer. Cause that's be for all audiences. And if you point a gun at somebody, it's gotta be, I don't know, somehow changes the rating, but either way, like Lucasfilm has a history of manipulating stuff in the trailer, you know?
3: Yeah. I mean, it could be, I mean, I'm just wondering if those characters make it to that point in the movie.
1: Yeah, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm I, th- I, 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 I kind of hope they all die, even Jin Orso. I, I don't think they're going to, but I kind of hope they all die because we need a new hope. This needs to be the darkest hour, you know, the K- most desperate K2. hour.
3: K- K2 K gets a pass.
2: Hey, he's a robot. So, yeah. Good, good call there using the uh, George Lucas terminology of robot. <laughs> the Rubits, the Gungas, <laughs> laser swords, the Jetty. <laughs> Uh, okay so so uh, so that's that's the show guys thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out with us and if you have any insights on any of the stuff we talked about or just opinions definitely share them with us you can find us on the nerdy show po- forums comment on this episodes page or um, uh, there's our Facebook groups Star Wars and Willow Watch is the uh, the main Facebook page and then also if you are brave enough to be here behind the, the blast doors then uh, you should join Star Wars spoilers on Facebook the private Facebook group for um, for people who like Star Wars spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks so much for listening. Taking us out. Well, we're actually kind of starved for Star Wars tracks lately. There hasn't been uh, there hasn't been an influx of new, new tracks related to Star Wars. So instead, we're going to play something spacey for you. A track by Zantilla, who's the um, awesome instrumental chip pop kind of feeling uh, artist. Who, if you like the tunes behind our intro and outro messages, we've been using the title track from his record Star Bride for that. This is another track from Star Bride. It's called The Smell of L. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Doug. Bye, I'm Matt. Listening to State of the Empire. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, like and follow us on SoundCloud and Audio Boom, or subscribe and stream on Google Play. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com/nerdyshow. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com and be sure to follow Nerdy Show on all your favorite social networks. If it's geeky, we've got it covered.
1: After thinking about it for a while, I finally figured out who my favorite character is from Force Awakens. Yeah? It's gotta be... Kylo Ren, he's the best villain. Han's down. Oh. Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the Jawa's favorite escape artist? Houdini. God
0: damn it!
2: God <laughs> damn it!
0: <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?